Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Gargoyle Podcast. I'm Nathan, a.k.a. the Gargoyle. And joining me tonight is Chris. Say hello, Chris. Hi, I'm Chris Goins, uh, Chief Cook and Bottle Washer at uh, Black Sheep Studios. And what is uh, Black Sheep Studios? That is uh, my highfalutin name for uh, my cartoonist studio. I'm a cartoonist. Ah, fun stuff. Mm-hmm. I sounded surprised at that, as if I didn't already know. <laughs> so, uh, Chris is awesome, and tonight we're going to be talking about Universal Monsters, and he surprised me with a very awesome present of a drawing of Wolfman, um, Lon Chaney Jr.'s Wolfman, getting kicked in the narts, and it is fantastic, and I love it. Well, I'm glad you like it, man. Couldn't have been a, a better intro to the... Uh, to recording tonight. Um, so yeah, tonight we're going to be talking about Universal Monsters. Mm-hmm. And this is week, I want to say week six of the uh, weeks that I've been doing. Started out with Giant Monsters. Cool. And then I can't remember, and so I'm getting my phone. Giant Monsters, Nondescript, Medical, Documentary, IFC Midnight, and then tonight is Universal Monsters. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to talk about these. Uh, they're my favorites. I love the Universal Monsters. They're just all classics. Yeah, they're... I, I, I love them. Like, when I decided to do uh, themed weeks for Halloween, I was like, well, I have to do Universal Monsters. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's no to. way I could not do those. Look, I mean, that's what everybody thinks of. Yeah. You know, that's what everybody... You know, that those are the classic costumes. So everybody always thinks of Halloween. Yeah, and like regardless of the qualities of the movie, right? And regardless of whether or not people have seen them, everyone knows Dracula. Everyone knows Frankenstein. Right. Everyone knows the Wolfman. Like, yeah, regard- you know, they've even to have been parodied in cartoons and everything. I mean, they're they're famous in their own right, and which you know that's they should be. But um, you know, that's that's just something that's that's a, I guess a collective American. I guess I guess you could say American knowledge. Sure. Yeah, I mean, even though they're supposed to be European. But. Well, and even though a lot of them are based off of literature and... Yeah. Yeah, but they're... Uh, yeah, sometimes... I guess... Sometimes they're a little better because the literature can be a little either cloudy or just outright weird. Right. Uh, you know, especially in case Frankenstein. It was... I, I kind of like... Uh, uh, the movie Frankenstein. <laughs> well, I think that that gets into, uh, I think that gets into some of the, like, are movies supposed to be like exact retellings of the book or is it supposed to be some of those reimaginings? And yeah, yeah. Like, I, I don't know if the movie would have worked as well. I don't know if the universal monster Frankenstein right. would have worked as well. Staying, like extremely true to the book. Well, I, I saw, uh, I watched the, um, the, um, Mary Shelley Frankenstein with, uh, uh, De Niro mm-hmm. for, I love De Niro. I mean, he's a great actor, not the right pick for the monster. He just, you know, but it was just, eh. you know, you didn't have the the, the sympathy, you know, I remember when my daughter was three, and we're sitting here. It's about this time of year. The original Frankenstein is on, and she's sitting in my lap. We're waiting on my wife to get ready, and he comes out 
And it's the scene where the doctor takes away sunlight. He gives him sunlight and takes it away. And she goes, oh, he's sad. My three-year-old got it. Uh-huh. Just like that. You know. That is such a sad scene, too. Yeah. But Poor Frank. no words. You know, he did it all. No words. And, you know, like I said, my three-year-old got it. So, you know, she's 17 now, and she still loves Frankenstein. <laughs> well, and uh, mentioning no words. So the ones that I watched for the week, Creature from the Black Lagoon. Creature from the Black Lagoon, Mm -hmm. The Mummy, The Wolfman, Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, Dracula, and uh, Phantom of the Opera. Dracula's the only one who talks. Oh, yeah. Like, Frank talks a little bit. Right. The monster talks a little bit in Bride of Frankenstein. But, yeah, watching all of them, like, the monster doesn't have a voice. I think that, that makes it, at times, more menacing. And they said that in, um... Bride of Frankenstein, uh, Karloff was upset that the monster had lines. He thought that degraded the character. Yeah. And so they took it down to where he had minimal lines, and he was okay with that. But I thought, you know, for an actor nowadays, if if he didn't have any lines, he'd walk off set. But Karloff's like, no, that's how it had to be. Yeah. I thought, to me, that's pretty cool. But, uh, yeah, you know, uh, I, I misspoke a little bit. The mummy does have lines, but not as the mummy. Like you no, don't really realize until much later, right. like, Oh, right. Imhotep was the mummy. And okay, fine. Yeah. But yeah. I, I think that, uh, that it really works with the older ones, the older mm-hmm. movies, because you don't get to know what the creatures think. You don't get to know what is the monster. Like, what are they up to? It's just, here are the protagonists, and uh-huh. here is some menacing evil. Well, you know, the creature, if they didn't go to the Black Lagoon, he wouldn't have bothered them. Yeah. He didn't come out, but they, they went into his territory, and they ticked him off. And, you know, that's primal. But uh, as long as you stay out of the water, because on, on the water, he's fast. He's agile. On land, not so much. Yeah, he's he's just lumbering. Like I think that he probably could have moved faster. Yeah, but it it, it was cautious. He was scared. You know, it's like when uh, when you bring something home to a dog. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't run up to it and start barking and snipping at it. Like right. they kind of inch towards it. Just what is this? What's what's happening here? Well, see, it's my theory that you can't get away from slow moving monsters. Fast moving monsters, you can get away from. But in the movies, slow movie monsters, you can't get away. So for some reason, you either have to trip, fall, set, or, or, or you are scared stiff and cannot move as this thing comes forward towards you to your doom. And that's what I love. You know, there's rules. Just like in a slasher film or something like that, there are rules to the monster movie. And uh, it's it's fun to watch. It, you're comfortable in that in that area. And that's what makes it fun to watch is because, okay, here we are. Boom. Yeah. You know, I never really thought about the uh, slow moving versus fast moving. I think with fast moving monsters, there's that urgency. Like they know I have to catch them before they get away. Right. With slow moving monsters, it's like, whatever. They can run, but I'll I'll catch them. Yeah. Because they don't tire. Yeah. (laughs) You know, Frankenstein, 
Oh, well, pardon me. The monster. <laughs> so, yeah. Like, yeah, we, we got to be clear. Yeah, Even be though clear. people call... That's always bugged me, you know? Like, it's yeah. always bugged me that Frankenstein is the doctor. Right. Not the creature. Right. And I that was my mistake, because I always correct people. You know, whatever. But yeah, I always correct people. And, uh, but, you know... Uh, to be honest, I mean, if you want to get into it, let's get psychological. Um, that is one of my favorite things to do. Is that the the doctor was actually the villain? Oh yeah, you know, the monster was just several dead people laying around. They weren't bothering anybody. He had to get this going. So then it's prowl. You you know you give this thing life. You play God. Guess what? You messed up, and. Now it's upset at you. Yeah. There, uh, there was a meme that I saw several years ago that was something along the lines of knowledge is knowing that Frankenstein isn't the monster. Uh-huh. Wisdom is knowing that he is. <laughs> exactly. And yeah, I, I always like that because it's like, you know what? You're right. That, ha, huh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Especially because, um, so one of the documentaries that that I watched a couple of weeks ago was um, Nightmares in Red, White, and Blue. And it, if you've not seen it, it is just an amazing documentary. It chronicles American horror, oh, starting cool. with Thomas Edison's like first silent oh, film, yeah. Frankenstein, yeah, all the way up to like 2009, I think is when it was made. Uh-huh. And, and it goes through like, what are some of those horrors? What are some of the things that were going on at the time? Apparently, during the Universal Monsters, there was a uh, a code like in the their version of the MPAA. Uh, uh-huh. I don't remember what their um, motion picture code system was back right. then, but a thing saying that all monsters had to die, regardless of like how sympathetic, okay. regardless okay. of what they were doing. So knowing that the Doctor was the quote monster of the movie, like I. I I don't think that it was done intentionally, but I think that that's a really cool little twist of the mm-hmm. real monster of the movie kind of gets off scot-free. Oh, yeah. But this poor thing has to die. But he ends up being cursed. Well, sure. Because, you know, as this, you know, yeah, it's it's a happy ending. You know, at the end. Uh, there is nothing happy about Frankenstein. <laughs> no, I mean, but, you know, the, the doctor gets saved, the monster is burned in the in the the giant windmill. Spoilers, the, by the way, on movies that are like eighty years old. Right, right. <laughs> but still, you know. <laughs> and then the fiance is, you know, she's he's uh, she has him in her lap, her head in his lap, and or his head in her lap, and she and everything's good. And then you know his father, the Baron, toasts, and it's a it's a up note in the music, even. Ta-da. And everybody laughs, and it's done. But then the monster comes back because he's not alive. He's undead. And so there you go. And well, and also he fell through the floor when it burned. Yeah, I mean, you know, I so, mean, yeah, you know, whatever. He's, he's like what eight feet tall. I mean, come on. But um, it's it's one of those that has been done a million times. But Karloff, I think, is... Well, I mean, I have... I like Karloff's the best. And then... Uh, oh, jeez. Uh, the remake was Sting, The Bride. Mm-hmm. And... Um, 
Oh, man. Uh, I can't think of who played the monster. He's a voice actor. He's been in tons of stuff. But his version of the monster, because the monster got a name, and his name was Victor. <laughs> sure. You know, but uh, Clancy Brown. Hmm. And, but, you know, he had the size, and, uh, but it, he, he was trying to be a good person. And he was very childlike, and which uh, and even uh, even in Monster Squad, the monster was very childlike and tried to do the right thing. That was um, I want to say Steve Coogan. Is yeah, that the great movie? Was was that his name? I, I think that. it is. He was the guy that played. Um, he was the, the bad guy in most everything else. Yeah, he was the bad guy in Last Action Hero. He yeah, had the yeah, little yeah. hatchet dude. He was. Um, the bad guy in House of the Devil, which is one of my favorite modern-ish horror movies. It's also a throwback to a late 70s, early 80s. Uh, he was the bad guy in Manhunter. Yeah. He was uh, He was the Tooth Fairy. Yeah. Uh, oh, man. They, so much to talk about with Frankenstein. Um, but let's... Tom let's Noonan. Tom Noonan. Right. Steve Coogan is the comedy actor. <laughs> Two very different people. Tom but, Noonan. You know, that was a almost, you know, later on when Universal started doing the, the uh, they would throw all their monsters together. There was House of Dracula, House of Frankenstein. Um, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Oh, which is my favorite, how I introduced my children <laughs> to the Universal monsters because it was funny. Yeah. You got to start out with a little bit of humor for kids. But, uh, you know, you and I were talking several days ago about the Glenn Strange being the monster. Of course, Glenn Strange was almost seven feet tall himself. It was like six, seven, six, eight. Mm. And, uh, you know, in the boots. And uh, he couldn't keep a straight face around Luke Costello. Which, you know, <laughs> he's the monster. He's supposed to be deadpan, but he couldn't. Um, but that actually relaunched a lot of these guys' careers. But Lugosi... Um, and, you know they they did their, their careers were going downhill, and that kind of <clears throat> gave them new life. And Strange played the monster in several films, um, you know, and that was a cool thing, especially for Universal. Yeah, because uh, then they had having Costello meet what the killer, uh, the mummy, his man, Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde, Wolfman. You know, so they had a lot of of fun with that, but it helped these guys out who were unfortunately, uh, pigeonholed in those roles. Yeah. You know, and, uh, I mean, look at Lugosi. I mean, the guy was a classically trained actor who, you know, was creepy. (laughs) As, as much as I love Bela Lugosi. Yeah. This, this might be a bit blasphemous. I don't love Dracula. No, I like it. I all right. We're, we're going to work our way through each oh, of these movies, but what has spoiled me on Dracula is I've seen Nosferatu way too many times, uh-huh. and I mean Nosferatu is Dracula, oh, but gosh, without oh, the yes. rights, right, right, right. <laughs> like they just couldn't get the rights to actually but, do to actually name him Dracula. And Nosferatu for me is an almost perfect film because he is he didn't have to be charming. He's the vampire. He's the bad guy. He's going to show up, and he looks 
No, but like he's not. wearing just like that all black. Yeah, like a not quite a almost like a uniform. I th- it was almost like an Undertaker right. type of uh, and type it, of outfit. And it was up high, so it looked like a hunch. The fingernails, the uh, the shadow thing. I love the shadow thing. God, I love it. But you know, it was just because that's a classic European vampire, whereas Lugosi made it where he was charming and he would seduce whereas you know Nosferatu would just show up yeah you know, what are you going to do he's you know oh, he was man. he was evil he was magic but uh, you know Lugosi had a had a charm to him but you know you uh, I, I, I like Gary Oldman better <laughs> because it's Gary Oldman and you're oh, just and- like God. People have done Dracula or vampires better, but it, it's almost the same way that I feel about uh, Tim Curry as Pennywise. Oh yeah, I love the new It. I think I think that Bill Skarsgård does a better Pennywise. Oh yeah, again, blasphemous, whatever. No, Bill Skarsgård can't do a better Tim Curry. Like no. Tim Curry is Tim Curry. Right. When it comes to Pennywise. I think that the representation by Bill Skarsgård is a better version of it. I think if, if if you were able to ask Tim Curry, that he would probably say the same thing. Yeah. Because it's it's a different interpretation. You know, there's been vampires, and there's been Draculas. You know, and it's like James Bond's. You know, you can, you can, you can gauge. But some are better. I mean, even the guy that played Dracula in uh, Monster Squad. Now, he yeah. was fantastic. Yeah, but, he was awesome. But none of them are Bela. And no. I think that that's the thing. is like, there are better vampires. There are better oh, yeah. Draculas. But, you, you know, like, you just can't... You can't be Bela. Well, because he learned to speak English from playing Dracula. So he always sounded like Dracula. Yeah. It's not like it was a voice he was doing. That's just him. And uh, the pictures of, like, them, like, him and... and uh, um, Karloff and stuff like at parties, you know, where they're they're dressed in their tuxes and they're out having fun and they're not in character. It's really weird because you know here are these two guys that live make money to scare you to death and they're like, no, we're just guys and um, just dudes being dudes. Yeah, you know, and I mean, you know, they, they Karloff was one of the nicest people you ever meet in your life. Just you know, just an awesome person, and uh, but. You know, he always had that the voice that you associated with scary. Yeah. And, you know, even uh, the Grinch. You know, I mean, <laughs> that's Karloff, you know, doing oh, a cartoon. Yeah. But I, uh, I love Karloff's voice. Oh, man, it's, it's so... It is disturbingly soothing. Yeah, yeah. Very refined. Yeah, and you listen yeah. to it and it's like, oh, tell me a story. Wait, no. <laughs> no, don't say, no. God, oh yeah, I feel odd now. Yeah, yeah because he played a lot of psychopaths, mm-hmm. and I'm and well, and uh, but it's everybody got the chance to play the monster. You know, Karloff played him, Lugosi played him, Cheney played him, and so everybody got a chance to play the monster, but they didn't switch roles as far as Dracula or the Wolfman, and uh, which I have there was a there's an artist who did that and did uh, 
the different actors as other characters. Hmm. And the uh, the Karloff werewolf was creepy looking. He was very tall, very lanky. Yeah, I, I feel like that would have worked a lot better. You know, didn't have the didn't have the curly hair. You know, <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, it, it's it's uh, you know, my family gets tired of it. Yeah, because these are my go to background noise when I draw is old monster movies. And that I, you know, it's it's just noise. It's just background noise that helps me draw. And so they've heard them more than watched them, and it's, they just get tired and they go to other places in the house. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I mean, like, like you were talking about earlier, with just like these are the classics, everyone knows them. You're hard pressed to watch any horror movie and not see some inspiration mm-hmm. from at least one of these. Right. These aren't that scary. No. They're, some of them aren't scary at all, but like, I don't know. There's just something about the Universal Monster movies that it is impossible to not see how they've had an impact on pretty much every American horror since then. Well, I mean, uh, Young Frankenstein is a straight ripoff of Frankenstein, and and uh, he'll tell you. Yeah. You know, they even found the guy who did all the electronics for the original movie. He had the stuff in his garage, you know. And, uh, but it's just tilted a little to the left. So it's funny. Yeah. And, uh, there's, there's lines that in these movies that alone are hilarious. <laughs> that, you know, I can't believe they just said that because in today's context, you're going, what the heck? Yeah. But, um, they, they, they work. And, I can't wait. The creature. I can't wait to see uh, Del Toro's version because it looks <laughs> the, the creature from the Black Lagoon that isn't the creature from the Black right. Lagoon. No, it's not. No, even though they say it was from the Amazon, uh, you know the skirting, skirting the outside of that. Uh, well, that, that is legal the, stuff. That's the Universal remake that it should be. Okay. Like I've not seen some of the newer stuff, but it just. Maybe. The the new Wolfman is is good. The I I like the new Wolfman. It's been too long since I've seen it. Mm-hmm. The difficulty is like with some of the uh, like the new Mummy. Right. I haven't seen it yet. I hear mixed things. Mm-hmm. I hear some stuff saying, "Oh, it's fun." Others saying, "No, it's terrible." The issue is that these were all gothic horror movies. Yes. And so yes. there was that gothic feel and they were mm-hmm. tragic figures. Yeah. And like when you watched it, you you felt for them and it was pulling more on emotions than it was on fear. And I think that part of the reason that the new Wolfman, you know, mostly works is because it's a period piece. It is set in gothic times. Right. So they're trying to tell a gothic story, but just a little bit more updated with better Visuals. They did the the tragic thing. You do feel sorry for the Lawrence Talbot character more in the new movie than you did in the old one because you and I had talked before that the old <laughs> yeah you know, he's we, kind we, of a jerk. We're talking about how much I hate Lawrence Talbot. He's he's a little creepy. Love you know, the Wolfman. Oh yeah, hate Lawrence. But my favorite thing that nobody ever pays attention to before he changes, he must take off his shoes and socks and change his clothes mm-hmm. because you know that stuff's expensive. And you've got work clothes to change into. Um, but, uh, you know, and <laughs> the fact that there's always an old gypsy woman somewhere. And they always know what to say. 
That old gypsy woman. Oh god, she is amazing. All right, let's let's start going through these because we're already going through half of them. So, so I watched. Uh, I think that I already said this earlier, but uh, watched Creature from the Black Lagoon, uh-huh. The Mummy, The Wolfman, Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, Dracula, and uh, Phantom of the Opera. So, Creature from the Black Lagoon. The creature has always been. We'll start there and just kind of work through. Right. It has always been one of my favorite Universal yeah. movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Probably my favorite Universal monster. Oh yeah, mostly because um, they they do something in the very beginning mm-hmm. and kind of throughout the movie. They set it up. Um, they, they do something that I wish that more people in the South would get on board with. They talk about creation uh-huh. and evolution at the same time. Yeah, and uh-huh. so it starts out with like millions of years ago, mm-hmm. there was nothing, right. and then all of this stuff was created, and so it was done in such a way that it was like, all right, regardless of whether you think that everyone was created or if you think that we all evolved from some protozoic ooze, this story still works, right? And I that the way that they set it up works for me and that's part of why i love it is then like when they're talking about the lungfish and they're talking about all Mm -hmm. of these other things that are unchanged for millions of years and the fact that we know more about outer space than we do about our own oceans oh yeah it's like you know what there probably isn't some half man half fish thing walking around but there are things that are creepy and weird scary stuff and yeah and but i like that about it is that they say, okay, this 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 is happening, but this is science, mm-hmm. and this is how we back this up, and then they bring out the fossil, uh huh, you know, which <laughs> they they bring out the hand, which, all right, so creature uh, originally came out in three D, uh huh, and uh, I was able to see it in three D at uh, Alamo Draft House in oh, cool. Kansas City. Oh, dude, so much fun! But the only part that even deserved to be in three D. Is that one scene because the hand is reaching out, right. and since it was Al- Alamo Draft House, you know the guy's walking around taking people's orders, and he wants to not be in the way of people, <laughs> and so he's ducking to make sure that he's not like uh, getting in the way of what people are seeing in the movie. Uh-huh. But he just so happened to walk underneath the hand. <laughs> <laughs> that Couldn't have good. been better. That was good. I think the one thing that I like about it is that he's not. Like any of the other monsters, yeah. Any of the other monsters were human, yeah. You know, it's it, whether they be undead or whatever, they were basically human. And but this thing isn't. It's humanoid. It's human-like, but it's not. And the fact that that the suit and everything was just so good yeah. and still stands up, yeah. You know, and the the you know. If you look close, there's a hole in the top of the head where the the bubbles are coming out of the of the uh, of the diver's air tank. But he didn't could... have an air tank. Oh, it's just him. Yeah, like he didn't have oh, a mouthpiece because it would have made the mouth protruding too right, much. Right, right. So, uh, so yeah. he's just holding his breath. So Rico Browning is just all right. I'm gonna swim, and he swam. Oh yeah, I mean upside down, and. Everything looks right. Yeah. You know, if you're thinking, okay, this is going to be a fish man. This is a fish man. This is what, ichthyosapien. Let's let's go real sure. science with it. But he looks right. And even when he's on land, it looks like a fish out of water because he's having to, to really work 
to breathe. Yeah. And so I buy it. I'm, you know, and again, he's not the villain. The <laughs> other scientist is yeah. the villain. The, the jerk who's like, oh, well, yeah, let's, we'll let's just, kill him and bring him in. Yeah, we'll just stuff him. Yeah. You know, and then everybody else, no. Oh. But it's, but see, Be- Beast likes beauty. Uh huh. And he picked a good one. Which, yeah. I mean, a classic theme in oh, horror movies, old and new. You know, because, uh, you know, if you, uh, maybe the fossil that they found was his mate. So he's been around this entire time without nobody to hang out with. Uh, but the fact that they built this entire place on a back lot and did all this stuff. And, uh, and people believed that this was a creator that they found. Yeah. And that's one of the things that, that I, Hate, hate, uh, right? Hate, uh, maybe that's too strong. I dislike <laughs> about now is that we sometimes we're, we're too well informed, and it it uh, the magic's gone, right? You know that that you just you can't believe because oh, I got a picture of a guy in a suit. You know, okay, people believe that that was a thing they caught, and I like that. Yeah. And it lends itself well. That is definitely, as much as I sometimes love living in the modern age, that's Mm. one of the things that I do kind of pine for a little bit, is I wish that I was able to watch movies and experience them in a way that what I was watching was real. Yeah. And, like, they try to do that with found footage and... Oh, um, yeah. You know, movies like that, but they just... They don't work. No. In fact, the more that people try to bring me into a movie, found footage and 3D right, films, right. the more it takes me out of it. You know, the the stuff that um, a lot of the, uh, like, Animal Planet stuff does where they... The, the mermaid right. and all this stuff. It's fun to watch. Yeah. And there's some things in it you go, huh, that's interesting. But it's just, you know, it's too slick. Yeah. You know, sometimes you need the clunky. You know, sometimes you need something that, well, that's not right. And that makes you think, well, why is that not right? Instead of something that is so super slick, it looks so good that you're just like, yeah, that's special effects. Well, a dune suit is always going to look better than CGI yeah. to me. Yeah. Like, I just... Because it's a it's a person moving. Yeah. And, like, they're actually interacting with it. Right. There was a, a movie that I saw a couple of years ago called Bad Blood, uh-huh. which is about a werefrog. <laughs> yeah, you awesome. heard that right. A werefrog. I gotta see that. That's it cool. Is, <laughs> it is fantastic. Parts of it are fantastic. Uh-huh. Um, the best thing about the movie is that, it, like, it's all practical effects. Yeah. And so they essentially spent their entire budget on the dude in the suit. Right. And it is, I love it. I love it so much because of that. Like you watch it and it's just, okay, I am now a part of this movie Mm -hmm. because there's like an eight foot tall werefrog running around ripping people's heads off. Well, you know, a lot of times with CGI, even if it's done well, it, it, it almost looks too good. Yeah. Where if a guy in a suit, it has weight. There is, there's something, there's something physical. Yeah. And it, you know, it moves the way you might think it would move because that's how we move. So we buy it a little better Um, instead of, you know, something that visually is just spot on gorgeous. 
but it's just a little too good. Yeah, it just just doesn't quite work. No, and you know that's why most of the good horror movies, it's it's somebody in a suit. Yeah, the ones that last, it's you know it's whoever in a suit, and that's because I like the the mechanics of it, and I like the fact that these somebody's out there thinking this thing up, building it. Yeah, what can we do? But yeah, the creature, I think, works all over the place. Well, and it's just just beautiful. I mean, you were talking yeah. about the underwater scenes earlier. Those are beautifully shot film. Like, yeah, I I like the plot. I like the story. But I could watch the scene of just the creature swimming underwater, yeah. and just on repeat because it looks right. Yeah, you know this thing. It's moving right, and the hands look right. You know the webbing and everything. It looks way what I guess what we would expect it to look like. Yeah. And the fact that this guy is such a good swimmer and it, it looks effortless. Yeah. The fact that he's going through all these things and doing all this stuff, you know, and uh, what is it when he's swimming, when the girl's swimming on the surface and he's swimming underneath her upside down, that's just awesome. Yeah. You, you couldn't, I don't think you could make that look any better. And it was done uh, very intentionally to play off of a lot of sexual undertones. Oh, Yeah. Like they, mm-hmm. everybody I, was in love with this girl. Yeah, you know, even the bad guy wanted the girl. The good guy wanted the girl. The captain of the ship, he liked the girl. You know, and even the, the critter really liked the girl. Yeah, to the point where he took her. Uh, but God, it, there are so many things that it does right. First off, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Secondly, um, like even some of the way that the story is set up. You can see that in Jurassic Park. Oh, yeah. Like the the entire intro of here is some dude off in the Amazon and they find this one little piece and that's what sets the story into motion and a guy and a girl scientist mm-hmm. and some rich dude in a suit coming up saying, I need you to go on an expedition. Right. It's like, oh, cool, Jurassic Park. And, you know, you learn, pardon me, you learn something. Yeah. You, it's a, There's a science lesson in there somewhere. And that that backs it up. That gives it something stable to say, okay, this is what we know. Now yeah. we're going to go off on the fantastic, but we're, we're rooted in what we know. Well, and there's also some, uh, some social commentary. Uh-huh. Like, I don't know if you've picked up on this, but when, uh, when they're going through and basically roofing the pond, yeah, the lagoon, uh, and dumping whatever that drug Rotenol. is in there. Yeah. Rotenol or retinol. Rotenol. I, I don't know what it is, but it's, he said, Rotenol is what he said. It's one of these weird. It's a roofie. They're yeah, roofie in the yeah, fish. Yeah, you know, they're 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 drugging fish. Yeah, <laughs> but when they're doing that, you see the captain up on the ship smoking, and he throws a cigarette in the water, and like they follow and show the the cigarette, and then the next scene is all of the dead fish uh-huh. that they had been drugging, but still, it's uh, like you said, the people are coming in there and destroying the and creatures' destroy. habitat. The Amazon. Yeah. And it's just like that. It's, it's done so well. Well, there's it. a little social thing in there as far as the uh, the bad scientist. He's, he's kind of a jerk. And he's being a jerk to the captain. And he's being pretty much a, a pushy American. Yeah. And uh captain pulls a knife to his throat. It's like, this is my ship. I'm in charge. Yeah. Back off. And... 
there is that again, Hey, you might be big where you're from, but you're not where you're from now. Yeah. And then the creature pretty much says that to everybody. This is my hole. (laughs) (laughs) You need to leave. And it's, it's, it's just one of those movies. But again, he comes on land. He goes in the guy's tent. Now the guy could have dove out the backside of the tent, but no, he stood there and screamed as the creature grabbed his head and crushed it. Right. Um, as creatures are wont to do. Right. You know, um, you know, I've, I've never been petrified scared. I think, you know, and, and again, if they would just listen, I think they would have heard him coming. <laughs> it took him a good 10, 15 minutes to get there. Uh, <laughs> well, or if they had just, you know, like, let him be. Yeah, just leave him alone. So, my probably my biggest issue with Creature is the uh, the musical score for the Creature. Like, the musical score throughout the movie, I love it. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. Uh-huh. The underwater footage. Again, like, it is... It, it's so like watching ballet. Like yeah, it is yeah. just gorgeous. But the creature, anytime that you see him, it's Donna, Donna, yeah, Donna. I could, it gets so annoying. It is. It gets it's, old. And uh, uh, but that's 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 was the movie experience at the time. Yeah, that they wanted you to. Because that maybe that might scare you. Maybe that might make your popcorn fly. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it's, it's like with Jaws or with yeah. Freddy or... Oh, gosh. You know, it is the same, like, here's the, the theme. theme. It plays. I just wish it had been a little bit more developed. But the... Uh, I, I could probably talk about the creature oh, for yeah, a great while. Um, a few years back, I actually got to meet uh, Rico Browning, who See, was the guy cool. that played the creature yeah. under the water. Which to me is the better creature because well he's he's swimming and, yeah. and it's beautiful and I love it and um, I didn't really think about this until this last week when I was watching them I got to meet a universal monster yeah I don't know if there are any original universal monsters that yeah. are left like I think that I think that he's still alive but I think that Rico Browning is like the last living. Universal monster. Right. He's the guy. And it's just like I, I never really thought about that. Just in terms of when these movies came out. Like it didn't come out that much after some of the other ones. Uh it came out in a time so nineteen fifty four. That's only like thirty years after um No, that's only like twenty or twenty five years after Family of the Opera. So, like, it's not... No. Not that much later. Well, and we were talking earlier that a, a woman designed the creature. Yeah. And her name was... And I lost it. Millicent Patrick. And she did, actually, a lot of design work for that. For the for the monsters and things. And, you know, think about it. This thing's pretty scary. Yeah. Especially for the time period. And, you know, she's a nice looking woman, (laughs) you know, and she came up with this creature. Yeah. And she never got credit, you know, and, and, uh, yeah, I got a daughter, you know, that I want her to get credit for stuff she does. And this woman, you know, she worked for the studio and, you know, I'm sure she got paid. Yeah. But, you know, she didn't get credit. There was another 
the the man, uh, whoever was get the, the makeup credit. And, uh, you know, I, I, I find that interesting, but it's the fifties. Well, and, I mean, even with Rico Browning, he didn't get the credit. No, he did in the second creature movie because uh-huh. he had in, uh, like he was there as a scientist, I think. Right. Right. So he was back underwater and also out of the suit. That's the one where they took him to uh, SeaWorld or something, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then there was a third one, where I think, The Creature Walks Among Us. Yeah. Where he turns into more human. Yeah. So that... <sighs> Almost like a Scooby-Doo character. <laughs> but I love the fact that even over the course of those movies, he's still evolving. Yeah. Like, it should... I, I've not seen the rest of them, um, which is unfortunate as much as I love it. But it's still really interesting... That they're like, all right, here's this concept of here's this creature that evolved slash stopped evolving. So now we're going to go even further with it. Uh, yeah, it's good stuff. It's, it's um, you know, people like that stuff. And, at, you know, of course, the later on, especially when it's SeaWorld, that was a big advertisement for SeaWorld. Right. And uh, so they that was sponsorship. That was the starting of product placement in movies. And... Um, it was a, it's 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 a good movie in its own right, because there's a lot of interaction with him in the tank with fish. Yeah, you know he's in he's in one of their tanks, you know, and the weird thing, fish, I mean they're not avoiding him; they're just kind of like okay, <laughs> you know, they're doing their fish stuff, and here's whatever this is, we're just not going to mess with it. Yeah, and um, I, I again I, I can't wait to see what Del Toro does with it because. He's such a big not fan of these. Technically, the creature from the black. No, Goon. no, it's it not is technically a, Gilman. It's a fish man, maybe right. But he's such a big fan of of the old stuff that I I want to see what he does because I think there's going to be a a nice wave, yeah, to the old stuff. Now, Del Toro is, we were talking about, uh, like, classic horror Mm -hmm. versus modern horror, and the gothic stuff doesn't work in modern times. Like, even the newer movies have to be period pieces. Right. I think that even though Del Toro does a lot of period piece movies, I think that he's one of the few people who actually could do a modern gothic story Mm -hmm. to where it works in modern times. I think because he has his heart's in it. Yeah. He, he likes it. I mean, he, he, if you've seen any of the, uh, the stuff from his house, he's got to live with these things. Yeah. Which I'd be fine with. My family probably wouldn't <laughs> be cool with, but I would love it. And, um, that's what I like is, is he, he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to go in there and make it a vehicle for this actor, or this actor. He wants to go in there and make a monster movie. Yeah. And make it, uh, creepy and atmospheric and uh, you know when when you can get a reaction from somebody who's not a fan that's when you know you've done something right when uh, you know when people go oh you're that you know and that's what I like to watch and you know if, if my family's watching a movie that I love and this first time they're watching it, I like to watch their reactions or if you're in the theater and everybody gets quiet at one point yeah because you've done something and I uh... We have so many more movies to talk yeah. about. I hate it when I'm watching a movie with someone and like, oh, pay attention. You're going to love this part. It's like, don't tell me that. Yeah. Just let me love it. Right. Yeah. If I'm watching a movie with someone, now if they're talking, it's like, Shh, pay attention. But 
yeah, if I'm just watching a movie with someone for the first time, like, even if it's something that I know is really funny and my reaction is I want to start laughing ahead of time, it's mm-hmm. like, nope, have to stay quiet. Can't say anything. Gotta let them experience it. Um, like, I watched The Thing with some friends for the first time. Yeah. Uh, well, a few weeks ago when I watched The Thing, and their reactions were like, this is part of why I love this movie so the much. The original or the John Carpenter? The John Carpenter. Yeah. Not The Thing from Outer Space. Uh, that one is is really a, a good movie because of... And nobody waited to say their lines and then wait somebody. There's a lot of people talking over each other, which is more like real. Right. And and the soldiers uh, lose it. You know, one guy's like, and he's losing, and he's got his gun pointed at everybody and he's losing his mind and they throw like water in his face. So he so calm, shock him and calm him down because he's scared. Right. You know, instead of, Let's go get it. This guy <laughs> lost his crap. Yeah. You know, and uh, again, science lesson. But that's, that's one of uh, Howard Hawks. Didn't mm-hmm. And Hawks did a lot of cool stuff and a lot of stuff that was kind of in your face. And that one, and you know, that you get into a lot of the, uh, the red menace, you know, the Russians are bad. Right. And, uh, so there was a lot of military and in these movies, it was before all that. So it's more uh, the only law and order you get is like a constable. It was before the Red Menace, but most of them were either during or between the World Wars. Right. So there is a lot of foreigners are scary and creepy, and yeah, yeah, Germans. Yeah, the, the, the those pesky Germans always build some kind of monster, or they're vampires or something. Yeah. They're, and they're going to uh, take away your humanity, and <laughs> you know, and there's always it's either the Englishman or the American who's always the voice of reason. And if you look at it, they're usually the one that got all this crap started. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I love my country, but sometimes <laughs> these guys just need to stop. Yeah, <laughs> I love it, but it's got problems. Oh yeah. All right. So um, again, we God, we could talk about yeah. each one of these yeah. for a while. So the mummy. Mm-hmm. I had never seen The Mummy before this last week. Uh-huh. So the, me watching it this time was the first time that I had seen it. Right. As much as I love horror, as much as I have literally hundreds of horror movies, I, I am kind of you know ashamed-ish, I guess, to say you know, some of the Universal Monsters hadn't really seen before. Mm. There's only so much time, is my only yeah, excuse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was disappointed with The Mummy. It's it's it doesn't have the weight that a lot of them do. Yeah, and I, the, they they I think they really relied on Karloff because Karloff's the monster, so he could be the mummy too. Now you know Karloff's good, but you got to give people you got to give an actor somebody to play with, and everybody else in it's just kind of two dimensional, and even even the girl is just like oh whatever. Because she doesn't really have a thought in her head. Yeah, you know, I like I like movies where everybody's kind of well rounded as far as the character. Yeah, but you and, have to care about the characters. Right. I didn't care about anybody in that movie. I I cared more, and I think this is probably a theme with all of them. I cared more about uh, Emotep. I yeah. cared more about the mummy than I did about the rest of the characters. 
But they took too long to get to the plot. Right. They took way too much of the movie to right. finally get to the point of, all right, yeah, he was doing some terrible things, I guess, defying his ancient religion, but he was doing it for this woman that he loved, and uh-huh. so now all the stuff that he's doing is trying to like bring her back so they can live in eternity together. He wasn't trying to take over the world. Like, yeah, he was yeah. killing people along the way, but he just wanted his girlfriend back. Yeah, it's, um... And I, I wish that they had started with that. Instead of the uh, the archaeologist stuff. The best, in my in my opinion, the best character in the movie is the guy that goes insane in the very beginning of it. Yeah. Because he's got the best line, you know, and, and he giggles and walks away. Okay, that establishes that the mummy's alive. Yeah. Then they should have started there. But, you know, you, you've got an unknown time period from when they find him to here and then Emotep comes in and nobody nobody notices that this Egyptian is creepy as all get out and very zombie like in his appearance but he's just a strange fellow isn't he yeah you know it's again it's very British of they just play it off yeah yeah uh, you know, <laughs> there were some things. So, so some of the shortcomings, you can't really put too much blame on because it was just a product of the time. Right, right. But I think that it stood out even more to me during The Mummy in terms of the film style of they don't really... Back then, they didn't transition between scenes. No. There was a scene, and as soon as that scene had served its purpose, it faded to black and then yeah. went to another scene. They either did the crossfade or they did the the... the you know, they closed it off and yeah, then the music played you into the other yeah. the other scenes. But it didn't like there wasn't really a transition. It was just no. you need this piece, you need this piece, you need this piece. Yeah. What happens in between? Doesn't matter. You need this piece, you need this piece. And in some of the other movies, yeah, it's still there, but there was more of a through line. And I think that with the mummy, because it took so long to get there, right. it just really stood out of like, all right, here's a scene, now here's another scene. I don't think the mummy movies ever really got, I mean, to, to do anything until the Brandon Fraser stuff where it was more of an action adventure and which I'm fine with that. I kind of wish they'd make more just adventure movies that you go in there, you sit there, it's a popcorn movie. And I liked, I liked the concept. I liked, you know, it was again, a period piece. But I thought it was good. And uh, now, you know, then you got like Mummy 15, which, (laughs) and I haven't seen the new one. Uh, I hear decent things about it. It's not great from what I hear, but I hear that, you know, it's it's a fun Tom Cruise movie is what I hear. They're setting up, uh, Russell Crowe's character is Dr. High, or Dr. Jekyll. Yeah. So they're setting that up. Now, I will watch Russell Crowe as Jekyll and Hyde. That'll be fun. Yeah. Because um, he's a pretty intense dude. But he can... I've seen some things. He can he can do some comedy stuff, too. So I think that ought to be fun. Yeah. I'm really curious as to where some of the uh, shared universe for Universal is going to go. It could be good. 
the best part for me from the mummy was the flashback scene uh-huh. where uh, Karloff's like, you're not going to remember any of this, but I'm going to show you anyways. Right. Audience. Um, in part because it finally tells you here's why he's doing the things that he's doing. So it finally gives a reason to everything. But uh, that flashback scene is played like a silent movie. Right. Like even just the way that they're moving, it's kind of sped up a little bit. Uh-huh. Very like very motive uh, facial expressions, right. really wide eyes. And it's like, you know what? That was a really, really smart decision. Oh yeah. To play a flashback like a silent movie, because again, it wasn't that far removed from silent movies. Mm-hmm. So it would be kind of like uh when black and white first started going to color if a color movie had said, all right, we're going to show something a bit older, so we're going to put it in black and white. Right. Because that's still what people like. Hey, wait, huh? What? Huh? Well, it's something the audience was comfortable with. They, yeah. They've seen it. And, uh, yeah, I liked it. You yeah. Know, that, that part was really cool. But I think, again, like you said, it was too late. It was, it's, it's one of these things where, and the musical score was a little overdone. And, you just didn't care about anybody. Yeah. But, you know, you cared about the mummy and you weren't supposed to. He's a bad guy. Yeah. But there wasn't any, you can have the best bad guy in the world, but the good guys have to play off what he does. Well, and nobody did. Well, and just like the creature and kind of getting ahead of ourselves in terms of, in terms of some of the underlying themes. Right. Yes, Imhotep killed people. Mm-hmm. That was a bad thing. Killing people is wrong. <laughs> I don't. I don't think that needs to be said, but it needs to be said. Killing people is wrong. However, the only reason that Imhotep was the bad guy was because of the other people around right. him. Like, if it was just, "Hey, old girl, like, come back and live for eternity with me," I'm like, okay, yeah. If uh, people hadn't gone into the Black Lagoon and started screwing around with things, right. the creature wouldn't have been a bad guy. Right. He just would have been a creature. Uh-huh. And so I think that's really interesting that the the monsters, the bad guys in this movies, are only bad because the other people around them are saying they're a bad guy. Yeah, it's they react to what everybody else is doing. Yeah. And, yeah, that, I think, you know, that's... It, what is that? The only real monsters are humans. Yeah. You know, and that's the whole, the Scooby-Doo thing, you know, creators <laughs> always some old man, you know, and yeah, I, I can get with that. Um, you know, he, he was just, he was trying to, it was a means to an end. Right. And because, you know, I mean, if you want to get around to it, it's romantic. Yeah. This guy who's he, maybe a know, bit possessive, but still, yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, He's uh, he's trying to do this for his girl. Yeah. Well, I'm going to come back to that theme when we get to Frankenstein, but we yeah. have a wolf man standing between us because right. it's not really a whole lot more to say about the movie. No. You know, like no. if you've never seen it, you need to watch it. Yeah. You're not, you're probably not going to enjoy it as much as the other ones. If I was trying to introduce someone to Universal Monsters, I wouldn't start with the mummy. No. But it's like, you know what? If you like horror movies, you have to see the mummy at some point. It's yeah. just. You just got it. Yeah. All right. So the Wolfman. I love the Wolfman movies. Oh yeah. I hate Lawrence Taubin, but I love the Wolfman. He's almost um, too sympathetic. He yeah. Uh, tragic. Well, not sympathetic. Tragic. 
he is desperate, like painfully desperate. Like when I was watching it, oh God. So he's looking through a telescope. It's like, oh, I need to align the things. I need to figure out blah, blah, blah. What's this? A girl in her room? I'll focus on her for a while. Yeah. I'll walk into the store. I need some earrings. Here, earrings? No, I want the ones that you were wearing earlier that are on your dressing gown upstairs. What? I can read minds. Fascinating. I'm going to care more about you rather than throwing things at you and telling you to get out of here. Yeah, see, nowadays that's called stalker. Oh, but... Uh, God, it just... <sighs> I, I hate him so much. But you had all these other actors, these universal actors... Claude Rains, uh, Bela Lugosi, uh, all these guys who were lifting up Lon Chaney Jr. And because this was his first big thing. Yeah. Um, and it was, it almost to the point of, of I got tired of hearing him whining. Uh-huh. And because, okay, but it, there were so many weird things. And I'll tell you one thing that I love about this, though, is the poem. Even a man who is pure at heart and says his prayers at night can become a wolf in the wolf bloom and the autumn moon is bright. Now, that was written for this movie. Yeah. A couple years ago, I was watching a documentary on werewolves. And they this ancient tome was found. <laughs> and they start reading this, and it was supposedly in this ancient book. And it's the poem. Yeah. I'm like, you're full of crap. This is from a the movie in the 30s. And um, so that's how much these movies are in the uh, our world. Yeah. You know, that they've, oh, it's legend now. No, it's not. But the the makeup. And they, they I've seen several test makes up, makeups for this movie. And a lot of them were out there. A lot of them were scarier. But this one was the one that was easiest and and retained the more of a human look. Yeah. And it was easier. They figured it would be easier for the audience to accept instead of, you know, you go straight to the howling, you know. And, and so this yeah. was. Uh, or American Werewolf in London. Yeah. Which. Love it. Love the movie. Um, but, uh, you know, he. uh You've got him as this super tragic guy who's like, what, six, five? You know, I mean, he's a big, big guy. And then his dad's like, no, he ne- he needs to go through this himself. His and, dad, a tiny little Claude Yeah, Rains. yeah. <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, whenever there's a dog around, the dog's freaking out. Yeah. Well, you know, there's gypsies everywhere. And I guess that was a thing. Uh, but... <laughs> okay, so I do love the Wolfman movie. Yeah. Like, it is a really, really good movie. Even though, for the time, or even though the transition scene isn't great, especially comparing it to modern makeup, like, oh, it's still, yeah. like, uh, sure. It's good. Uh, I, I can believe it. Why not? Yeah, yeah. One of the things that bugs me about it is I don't understand why they made the romantic interest already engaged. Yeah, because that's creepy. Yeah. Especially because, like, he seemed like a really nice guy. Like, yeah. the um, the fiancé. Yeah. He seemed like a genuinely nice guy. At one point, he's even like, hey, let's go spend time over here next to Lawrence. And she's like, what? He's like, well, I want you to know that I'm not jealous. Right. Like, it's okay. And I felt so bad for that guy. Right. 
because it was clear that the woman had some feelings for poor Larry, and it was just like, I don't... Mm. All right. Lawrence is way too desperate and way too creepy and super stalkery, and the way that he would talk to her, like, he was too close, and... Yeah, he would just, always get in, and, and it was always just weird. Yeah, and and a bit aggressive and violent, and, like, I know the poem was there to set up his character as he is pure of heart, right? because even someone who is pure of heart can still become it, and they say it a few times, like, back to back to back, to set it up as even someone good, even someone good, Larry's supposed to be good. No... No, he's trying he's... to steal this chick from somebody else. And the guy, it's almost like he was an afterthought. Yeah. That, uh, and even her dad defends Larry hanging out with his girl even after all this stuff happens. Yeah. Uh, I don't know a daddy <laughs> around. <laughs> I wouldn't. I'm a daddy. I wouldn't. I'd no, tell but, the guy to get out, but... Um, well, like, especially because... All right, one of the things that I did like about it, as much as I hate mm-hmm. Larry, and I love the Wolfman, yeah. I do like the fact that because it does show him as you know, a little violent, like even threatening the, uh, the mother of oh, the yeah, other yeah, woman yeah. who died, is like, what are you saying about me? Her daughter is dead, dude. Right. C- the CTFO. Yeah. You know, he comes in the, the shop and he's, you know, he's ticked. Oh, God, he's such a jerk. <laughs> I, and even though it's like, oh, the fiance is such a nice guy. What does this woman see in, in Larry? Like, what's going on? I do like the fact that because there is the aggression and the we'll call it too strong of a sexual drive uh-huh. going after someone who's engaged. I really like that interplay between like the animal in him uh-huh. coming out yeah. and those little snippets of a very animalistic nature. Right. I don't know how intentional that was supposed to be, but but I like it. Like I, I feel like that really adds a lot to the character. There's a lot of weirdness as far as the dad evaluating him from a distance. Right. And it's always Ralph Bellamy's right there with him. And I also think it's weird that Ralph Bellamy's character is supposed to be this uh, retired British colonel, but he's doesn't have an accent, and uh, <laughs> uh, and neither does Talbot, who was apparently born and raised in England in Talbot Hall, but he moved to America, so apparently it just got taken out of him. Well, that's what happens but, when you go to America. You yeah, just yeah, completely lose the accent. Um, but it, there's a lot of evaluation. Well, he can, he can, he can. Uh, do, uh, deal with a rifle pretty well and he can he's a big boy and you know, he's very smart and it's like they're trying to build him up as an okay guy yeah a, a well-rounded okay guy and then but I feel better I, I, I like him a, a lot better as the wolfman yeah I guess the wolfman he's great yeah and the scenes in the forest with the fog and all it's really good now a lot of fog you know who the heck would let two women walk around in a fog in the woods at night by themselves? Yeah. Oh, they're just going to the gypsy camp. Yeah. Nothing could happen. They're just going to go get their fortune told. I don't care what time period this is. A lot can happen. <laughs> um, you know, but again, it's it's the movies of the time where, where there was there was an underlying innocence of everybody's basically good. And only these, and only the people who are different, 
are bad because the gypsies right were different and they were oh how dare they come into town and dancing and what and only only you know Lawrence wasn't bad until he turned the wolfman because he was different right and so again it's it's a very uh homogenized is that a good of um, of trying to make well if you look just like everybody else and act like everybody else you're okay yeah but if you don't then you're different and you're bad and you know and it's I didn't like that part and it's weird well here's what I love about that part is even though time periods blah 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 like that's a theme that you can still find in modern society and even though gothic horror like I was saying doesn't quite work because people are trying to go for the gothic rather than finding that underlying theme, there's still a lot of xenophobia. And there's still a lot of, that person looks a little bit different. That person sounds funny. What's going... And there was a line, um, I forget exactly who said it. I don't remember if it was... I don't remember if it was the doctor or if it was one of the gypsies. um, But there's a line... Fighting against superstition is as hard as fighting against Satan himself. As a doctor. And I love that line because mm-hmm. superstition, in a way... No, it wasn't the doctor. It was um, it was the priest. It was when... Yeah, um, yeah you're right. You're when right. Bela was in the coffin. Yeah. And Larry was there and looking she, for him. Yeah. And the priest is trying to convince the old woman, the old gypsy woman, don't come dancing into town because it's weird. And she's like, but it's our tradition. It's our tradition. You know, I'm, I, I hey, I want to go. I want, <laughs> I like the fact that, that, you know, I want people to have a party. Well, I mean, you it's know? the same as like an Irish wake. Yeah. Like that's, that's a very standard thing right. among cultures is to celebrate. celebrate their life, not mourn their death. Yeah. But the way that the priest talks about it is very... I don't understand this thing, and therefore it must be superstition. Right. And it's really, again, I don't know how much of this stuff was intentional, but my background is psychology, so I analyze the crap out of everything I watch. Yeah. I love the fact that a priest said fighting against superstition is, um, fighting against superstition is as hard as fighting against Satan himself. Because people who are not religious are going to say that Satan is a superstition. Mm-hmm. And so there's almost like a, not really an undermining of his faith, but a very, very interesting mirroring of right. what he said <clears throat> and how a lot of people view religion and yeah. how a lot of people view foreigners and how a lot of people view you have a slightly different view on the world than I do. It must be superstition. Therefore, it's of the devil. Like, it's just... I don't know. I, I loved that you know, line. And, and the <clears throat> fact that this werewolf, this wolfman, is the traditional as far as the tragic. Right. You know, uh, my wife and I was actually discussing it last night uh, while we were watching another good horror movie, Silver Bullet. Um, <laughs> she goes, well, we're talking about the different kind of werewolves. And, you know, I, I, I like to research all this stuff. I love the folklore. I love it. And it's a, he's a, he's a, a loop guru, a, a traditional, tragic, cursed person. Right. And um, instead of somebody who's just out to kill you. Right. You know, he, he can't help himself. And that that's why, that's how you feel sorry 
Uh, he's going to rip your head off. He's going to hunt <laughs> you down. Now, the weird thing was, no, he, it was always people who were by themselves. I couldn't figure out why a grave digger is out there in the middle of the night digging a grave. You know, I, I just, I just think that's a little unwholesome. I don't, you know, I think, you it's know, because death is uncomfortable, and so grave diggers dig at night. They dig. I, I don't know. That might be a thing. Might not be a thing. But. Well, you know, I just I think you want you know see how deep your holes getting instead of being out there by a lantern light. But um, you know, it's it's always the people who are alone, who are off by themselves doing something that uh, you know you shouldn't be out there doing that. Yeah, or uh, the monster's going to get you. Yeah, you know, you shouldn't be breaking norms of society, or else the monster's right, going to get you. Gonna get you. Yeah, and, like, I don't know, I love the fact that the monster, you know, it's coming out, and the atmosphere is also very telling of the monster. Yeah. So, like, in in The Wolfman, so much fog. Fog is everywhere. But I think that the fog gets thicker as the movie goes on. Uh Uh-huh. And so, again, don't know if it's intentional, but I feel like the fog is supposed to be representative of Lawrence Talbot's mind as he is going deeper and deeper into this monster. And so right. it's like, all right, what's real? What isn't? Is he a wolf? Is he human? Did he see this? Did they not? Right. Is he crazy? Is he paranoid? Now, and, um, well, even the hunt scene. Yeah. To where his dad ties him to a chair and faces him towards the window so he can watch him. Yeah. That's harsh. You know, even even the doctor's going. You can't. No, no, no. He's like, well, he needs to. He needs to stand up and do it. You know, <laughs> he's to be a man and see himself get shot. Right. And you know, but uh, there, there's a lot. I mean, you're talking about superstition and magic. There's a lot. You know, the the gypsy woman has the same. But even though your way is thorny, I, I don't remember all of it. But that's how she makes him change back. It's some kind of. Yeah, incantation, and then she said it over her son Bela, so he would rest in peace. And you know that's another thing as the other mo- the other werewolf movies go on, is that he can't die. <laughs> you know he he <laughs> uh, even though he's dead, he always comes back. And you know, and he's later on he gets a little better. He's a little less tragic. And but he's still uh, a womanizer. Yeah. And a lot of the other movies, man, he goes after the girls, hard and heavy. Well, and again, like it's because it's bringing out those primal urges, which which I love. Well, even in the Abbott and Costello movie, he goes, "I turn into a wolf at night." And Costello goes, "Yeah, so do five million other guys." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which gives a, a lot of depth to the Monster Squad. With the, does the wolfman have nards? Like, they're not talking about the other <laughs> monsters and the other monster genitalia. Right. They're only talking about the testicles of the yeah. wolfman. Because that's like, well, of course he does, because that's what's driving him. Well, that's Maybe. what I liked about that wolfman, though, is that he was, like, super tragic. Yeah. Even to the point of trying to warn people, you know, or kill me, or do something, you know, to take me out. He was... You know, he didn't want to be this at all. Yeah. At certain points, you kind of thought Talbot was cool with it. Yeah. You know, if you don't do what I want, I'm going to turn into the Wolfman later on. And because he would just <laughs> tell everybody. Yeah. And everybody think he's nuts. You know, what in the uh, Abbott Costello movie, he was in a hotel room. He's locked himself in. So what, the Wolfman can't do a doorknob? You know. <laughs> Dogs don't know how to operate doors. Yeah. 
Yeah, God, I I love the Monster Squad. If I had had time, I was going to watch it with Universal Monster Week. Oh, gosh. But I didn't. I'm probably... So I have a few more themed weeks. Uh, this week, I'm doing anthologies. Uh-huh. Actually, no. I only have, like, one more themed week. I'm doing anthologies this week. Uh-huh. Then I'm going to the Knoxville Horror Film Fest. Oh, cool. And so I'm going to do a podcast over that one. Sweet. And then the last week, um, it's going to be just favorite Halloween movies. Yeah. So it'll be stuff like Monster Squad and Young Frankenstein and, uh, yeah. Um, you mentioned the dad a little bit ago. And um, at the end, when he gives his dad the cane and he's like, here, protect yourself. Mm-hmm. I think that he knew, like, all right, um, I'm just going to let my dad kill me. Like, that's, yeah. that's going to be a thing. Um, but the thing that really, really kind of bothered me about that, not in a, like, oh, he shouldn't have done it, but in a, this makes the movie even more tragic. Yeah. Lawrence Talbot knew that um, that the old gypsy man was a wolf when he killed him. Uh-huh. He knew, all right, he was a wolf, and, and I killed him, and now he is not a wolf, and he returned to human form. Right. Um, they buried him, and everyone saw that. So he knew when he dies, when when Larry dies, he's going to go back to his human form. Yep. He gave his dad the cane. Uh-huh. At, at any point... Did he think about the fact that if his dad actually did kill him, that he was going to have to live with the guilt that he killed his own son? Well, you know, the dad was the one that drove him away in the first place. That's what drove him to America because him and his dad had a deal, had some kind of conflict. And the fact that he had an older brother that they only talk about because the older brother died in a hunting accident. Uh, <laughs> Just that, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, and um, so they're they're kind of reconciled, and that's why they're kind of feeling each other out throughout the whole movie. And then he, you know, he wants his dad to be protected because no matter, but the fact that he keeps calling him sir throughout the entire movie, he never calls him dad. He calls him he, sir. No, there are a couple of times that he calls him either like dad or father, really? or something. Yeah, because it's because it's weird. Like sir makes sense. It was weird when you, and maybe like that was part of that reconciliation yeah. is finally like calling him dad rather right, than right. sir. But it it's just weird to see enormous Lon Chaney Jr. call tiny little Claude Rains yeah. dad. Just like yeah. that's no, yeah, just just no. Claude Rains had the, I think he had the guts to order anybody around. I mean, the guys, the movies yeah. I've seen him in, he is just powerful. Yeah. And uh, one of my friends brought me the Invisible Man earlier. Man, I, I didn't have it, or else that would have been the one that I watched during the week. What but. a what a performance! Yeah. And but he 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 played the uh, family opera too. Yeah. In a uh, what was it the fifties, early sixties, maybe? Yeah. And sometime around there. You know, I mean, the guy was powerful, but it's just. Yeah, there's a big, and I think they played that up a lot. That you know, here's the dad, here's the son, because he keeps talking about how big he is. Well, he's a big lad. Yeah, he's a big lad. And uh, oh yeah, we could have had him in this. We could have done this. And but I think at at one point he was like, you know, I think he he pretty much gave himself over that he's done. 
and he wants his dad to be protected. And I don't know about... Well, I get that he wants him protected, but... And and I think that that... I don't know. Like, I think that that somehow, like, gives the story arc a very, like, beginning, middle, end. But, again, I cannot not think of the psychology of once, once the dad kills the wolfman... And then the wolfman turns back into a son. Just what guilt is he going to have to live with? Well, see the look on his face when he looked down. Yeah. After he knew he did it. You know, because he killed... It was a wolfman. It was a critter. You know, and then all of a sudden it was his son. And it's just the look. Yeah. You know, and then, of course, the, the music really played that out, too. And it was... It was... It's... There's a lot of stuff going on in these older movies that... Nobody really thinks about because oh, it's an old movie. They, they, but yeah, yeah, they or because cool they stuff. didn't try to just you know drive it into the ground. No, it was just there. All right, we, <laughs> we are only through three movies. Yeah, Frankenstein. Oh God, I love Frankenstein. Yep. You know what? Let's come back to Frank and Bride of Frankenstein. Sure, because I think those are the best. Oh yeah. So I think it'll be easier to kind of end on talking about them rather right, than just right. like, eh, here was some stuff. Uh, so Dracula, we already talked a fair amount about that at the beginning, but I love Dracula in theory. Right. You can't have Dracula without thinking of Bela Lugosi. No, no. Like he is Dracula and like, he's like, that is who he is. Right. Because that's, that's your first image. Right. You know, the widow's peak, the whole nine yards. He's not that good. It's not. Again, blasphemous, I'm aware, but it's just... Well, after reading the stories, you know, after reading the books and seeing better versions of that character, he is almost cookie cutter. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's iconic. Yeah. But there's, there's everybody else kind of react. He's not really that bad. He's not really that evil. And I want him to be. You know, I, I want him. Because later on he is. In a lot of the other movies he is. He's just straight yeah. up bad. And, but in this one, not so much. Yeah. He's just like, I can do what I want. Well, and, and, and again, I was spoiled on watching Nosferatu way too many times. Like, I... That is one of my all-time favorite horror yeah. movies. It always will be. I freaking love that movie. There are two scenes in particular, like to kind of highlight why Max Shrek is just, oh God, him playing Count Orlock is eternally creepy. Yeah. As compared to how Bella Lugosi presented. And again, all respect to Bella. He is amazing. He is Dracula. Yeah. No disrespect. But in terms of like just quality of movie, um, in Dracula, when, uh, when Renfeld, because that's something that's different between the two movies. Renfeld is the one who is there, like, signing the deeds to sell right, the house. Right. Rather Harper, than, yeah. yeah. Uh, but when he's there, and... Um, so Renfeld sees the brides coming towards him, and he's kind of freaking out. And, like, he goes and opens the window, and he sees the bat just kind of fluttering. And so he just passes out. Yeah. And then Bella walks in, and it's just like, okay, fade to black. Right. In Nosferatu... John Harker is there and he's kind of freaking out a little bit and things are just kind of weird and creepy and just off in the distance, 
you see Count Orlock coming towards him, and he's just kind of getting bigger and bigger. And then the door opens on its own, and he's standing there all imposing in the doorway. And it's just, oh, that's terrifying. And then he passes out because, well, there's this monster. Right. The second scene that I think probably points it out even better is the uh, the ship coming back yeah. across. Yeah. So in Dracula, uh, Renfield has to open up the coffin for him, right. and he just kind of sits up and just, oh, okay, I guess I'm going to go kill people now. As opposed to Nosferatu, where it opens up on its own, yeah. and then he stands up on his own. Uh-huh. That... Nosferatu was so much more terrifying. Well, the clawed, the clawed hand coming out, and it's, 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 you know, it, it is different, you know, because Dracula was based on a play. Yeah. So they had a lot of, and they just shot it pretty much straightforward scene, scene from play. So they had cues, and that's where everybody was comfortable. And so the, I think that's how they kind of got around all that. But there, you know, I've seen, uh, even read, uh, different things about the ship and this and that, that in my mind played out a lot more like Nosferatu than like Dracula. And, (coughs) pardon me, you know, Dracula kind of, after this, they set him up as the mastermind of all the other monsters that they all kind of you know, had allegiance to him. Right. And, uh, but, you know, it's, 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 you know, scenes where he's out They're they're at the theater and, you know, the counts there. And, um, you know, there's just a lot of stuff you're going, Nosferatu, Orlock wouldn't have done that. Yeah. He just, like I said, he just showed up, did his business, yeah, you know, very straightforward. Where Lugosi's character was more uh, of whining and dining and getting to know you. Yeah, and but I think they used <laughs> getting that to know his dinner a lot more to uh, to set up uh, Van Helsing as you know that whole scene where they meet and it's what was it? What does he say? It's good. I love it. It's even in the wilds of Transylvania we have heard of Van Helsing. Yeah, and you know then they establish what can take out a vampire. You know mirrors, uh, crosses. Uh, you know, unless it's a Jewish vampire, uh, <laughs> and you know, <laughs> and you know, um, you know, because I've never really quite, you know, not all vampires would be of the Christian faith, but uh, I feel like none of them would be. Well, you know, uh, the way I've heard it later on, it's it's not the symbol; it's the faith you have in it. Yeah, that but, you, you know, one of the places that you heard that Fright Night. Yep, that's one of them. Yeah. Oh, gosh. See, that's like subconscious stuff that I just forgot about. I got Friday Night, another fantastic vampire movie mm-hmm. where, like, that vampire is swarthy and he's womanizing. And, like, I get that that's what uh, Bella was doing. So, And I know some of it was just, like, the, the trappings of the time and you couldn't show that much and you couldn't get away with as much. Oh. And... The, the the Bram Stoker book was like like almost scandalous when it came out. Yeah, and they really couldn't do that in films at the time. You know, now the 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 Oldman uh, count 
he's out there, you know, yeah, buddy. He's, you know, he's doing what he's got to do yeah, because of the time period. But I think that one was more akin to the book than the original Dracula. Um, I think they, it, it was more romantic. Um, if, you know, if that can be romantic. Well, but, and, uh, and, and again, like, I think that they were doing that. I just don't think that they had as much liberty to do something. No. Like, they reference it with the fact that Vampire has three brides. Uh-huh. And then a fourth when he kills the one girl. Right. Um, and then working towards a fifth. So, like, they're getting into some of those sexual undertones. Mm-hmm. The fact that he comes to her at night and is haunting her dreams. Right. When he finally meets her in the house, he's very... Well, he's taking bodily fluids. Yeah. You know, it's it's and, her life essence. And so, like, there is a lot of it. And there is definitely... Uh, the fact that when uh, Bella is... Or when Dracula is like, I control you to mm-hmm. Van Helsing, there is some of the... Kind of setting the groundwork for how he's able to control the other monsters. Right. So there is a ton of stuff that is in it. I, I would just rather watch Nosferatu. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, <laughs> it's the atmosphere is more... I mean, when I drew the picture I, you know, of Nosferatu, that was my Dracula. Yeah. You know, I love Bela and the classic, you know, the cape, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. You know, but as far as an interesting character, Nosferatu is more interesting to for me to draw because of his looks, how he is. And then you get that, what, Salem's Lot? That was yeah. more of a Nosferatu character. Yeah. Um even in um, uh, um, Anne Rice's books, they discuss modern vampires as compared to the old world. And they actually said the old world vampires were more Nosferatu-like. Yeah. You know, the, the, the Carpathian, all that, they were they hung out in graveyards. They were the, the undead. They weren't the, oh, let's go out at night. Yeah. Well, and I think that, I think, I think two things. First off, like the mummy, if you've never seen Dracula, you have to watch it. Oh yeah, it's not going to be the best. There are better vampire movies. Right. There are better Draculas, but you can't not watch it. You have to see Dracula. I think one of the things that makes Bela's Dracula so important because it, it sounds like I've been bashing him. I'm not. I love him. No, no, like, no. I could. You know the whole like uh, what five movies would you take to a deserted island? All right. I would just take the Universal Monster movies. Yeah. Like, I'd be... I could watch them. Yeah. I think one of the things that makes him so iconic is he kind of is that bridge Uh between the old, very gothic, very, like, hanging out in graveyards and very rat-like and very verminous, and the more romanticized Mm -hmm. and romantic and... You know, the, the kind that isn't just seducing you because they're going to eat you, but actually trying to, like, seduce you. Well, he was, he's smooth. Well, but, like, yeah. I don't think that there was a, a vampire that had done that yet. Like, I no, think that no, that no, was no. that transition. Yeah. And it just so happened that that it felt kind of out of place. Because, like, that was the other thing. Like, the cape and that giant necklace yeah, thing that Yeah, whatever that medallion wearing. is, I got no clue what that is. Like, he doesn't look quite right. And so it's almost like this is what a vampire who has been stuck in a castle out in Transylvania for however many hundreds of years, right. now trying to get into modern society, trying to, you know, 
find new people to feed off of. Well, and, uh, it, oh, it's uh, almost like that's what he thinks modern people are supposed to be like. What is the... Uh, what's the one I'm thinking of? It was a Dracula movie that I was not allowed to watch as a child. Dracula doesn't loving it. Uh, well, not the Leslie Nielsen ones. <laughs> In any of the Christopher Lee ones. These were... Oh, Christopher Lee. Talk about not talking. I mean, talk about sexual energy. Gee, what is... Yeah. There was some, you know... God, those, those hammer horn uh, vampire movies. The red eyes and how stupid people were. Um, this had George Hamilton in it. Um, but there's a scene and it... I remember it because uh, like Artie Shaw was playing Renfield. But they were going to America and it was in the 70s. And he said... You know, he, he gave him a book on America. It was all these slang words, and it was all from the 30s. You know, what? Because he was, and it was, to me, it's, it, it stood out because I, I still remember it. And it's just one of these things where he's trying to modernize himself. And, you know, he hits New York in the 70s. And he's still dressed like from the 30s. Yeah. And, no. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I think that how people dressed, that's how a, a, a guy would, especially a count, you know, a count from, uh, you know, Transylvania would dress that way. He would wear the tucks and the tails and the white cutaway vest and have his sash or some medal of some kind to show his, uh, he was a dignitary. You know, that was just, and the cape. You know, that's, that was an opera cake. That's, you went to the opera. You did this, yeah. you did that. And that was just how society or London society was at that supposed time. But, um, you know, that's one thing I like about uh, Van Helsing is he just showed up. It's like, no, <laughs> no, no, no. That's, that's not good. Let's, no, let's just we're not going to. Do you know who this guy is? And, uh, you know, he was... And I love that character actor because he, he was in the Mummy. He was on, and he was always the guy going. Do you know who these people are? Yeah. He, he always had. The, I wish I had his book. You know, because he had a book on everybody. He could tell you <laughs> everything about everybody. It was but, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah, pretty much. That's yeah. what he was carrying around. Guide to monsters. Um, but yeah, I like. Of course, I mean he's Bela. Yeah, and, well, and it's like with Tim Curry and Pennywise. Yeah. There are better versions of Pennywise. There's not a better version of Tim Curry. No. There are better versions of Dracula. There's not a better version of Bela. You know, I liked um, the movie Ed Wood, where um, um, I can't think of the actor. This is Johnny Depp. No, no, uh, <laughs> the guy who played uh, Bela. Um, he he he. You know when he he did the hand, he goes, well, "How do you do that?" He goes, "Oh, you must be Hungarian." You know, it's just this. <laughs> you know, and. Um, they said a lot of things about Bela that were true. Is that yes, he was a morphine addict because of all these things that had gone he had gone through in his life, and you know the fact that this guy was you know living in a neighborhood. Yeah. You know, think about it. You're a kid. You're in the fifties. You look out the window. Your neighbor's Dracula. You're not going over his house. He's not being invited over for dinner. You know, he's... I mean, I would. Oh, yeah. You know, but I just don't see the Norman Rockwell family going, ask Mr. Lugosi over. Yeah. Uh, I'd be all over it. But, you know, it's... it's He he is 
he became a very tragic person. And, you know, nowadays, if he was alive now, are you kidding me? He would be winding down by all kinds of people oh, just yeah. to talk to the man. One of the things that does bug me a little bit about the universe of Dracula is the fact that the Spanish Dracula exists. Yeah. And what I mean by that yeah. is not that the Spanish Dracula exists because that one is amazing. Mm-hmm. I am so glad that they made that. Yeah. What bugs me about it is um, I started watching, I watched a few scenes the same night just for comparison. Right. So I was like, I wonder how some of this stacks up. And a lot of the scenes that I watched, I preferred the Spanish version. And the this guy's was a better actor. Well, not even that, but just uh, like the the scene on this ship. Uh huh. So rather than uh, Renfield having to open the coffin for him, like he just kind of appears out of smoke. Yeah. And then rather than just kind of oh now some of the people are dead, like you see Renfield, you see Dracula come up. And while he is going after them, Renfield is just maniacally laughing. And yeah. it's just like, this is this is way creepier. Mm-hmm. They filmed it literally the exact same time. Yeah, they filmed it at night. Yeah, American team was there in the morning. Yeah, Spanish team was there in the evening. I, I really wish the American one had been a bit closer to how the Spanish one had been done. But I don't think the American audience would have handled it. Neither do I, but this American audience. Oh, yeah, as now? <laughs> I want you know, that version. Uh, you know, I mean, it's... it's. There were people screaming. There were women, you know, swooning over Dracula. He was a... And that boosted Lugosi's uh, career yeah. big time. But then it also got him typecast. Yeah. Because he played Dracula. Which, which is unfortunate, but... All right, yeah. so, on to the next one. Um, next, well, we still have Frankenstein. All right. God, it, it is difficult talking about this many movies. <laughs> so, Phantom of the Opera. Mm-hmm. I, I, I love, love the silent film. It is just so... It is good and tragic and creepy and for a silent film, a whole lot of story, and you really feel for these characters. Oh, yeah. And Lon Chaney was just, he was a genius. Oh, man. You know, but again, no words. Yeah. So you have to have good storytelling. You can't rely on a script. You got to rely on a, uh, somebody who can convey everything through their face. Yeah. And, or their body, how they move, how they, and, the unveiling of uh, the Phantom. Women fainted. Yeah. I still think that is the best monster reveal. Like, there are scarier reveals. There might be more surprising, maybe, but I cannot think of a better reveal than than when that mask comes off and you actually see Lon Chaney with his face pulled back. Just, that is... You, You had nobody ever seen anything like that before. That was brand new, and it was horror. It is haunting. Yeah. And it's just this, you know, and we were talking about earlier now that it's romanticized, it's it's an opera, it's this, it's that. That is pure horror. Yeah. You know, he, everything was covered until that point, and then the whole turn, and almost he took it as pride. 
the way he stood and looked at him like, yeah. And, you know, I mean, Lon Chaney, the, the, the physical pain he went through with all of his characters. I mean, he would torture himself to, to be anything. And it's all, he was just that good. Yeah. And just that scary to be able to do that. And, uh, it's amazing. And he's, you know, he was the guy that there wasn't any, he didn't have a book. You know, he, he didn't have anybody else to look at. Didn't have nobody else to rely on. It's like, well, what if I do this? What if I do that? Yeah. What can I use to do that? God, his, his makeup was just, yeah. He's a very physical man. Yeah. You know, and he was in incredible shape. And the fact, you know, his parents were deaf. So doing all this, you know, was second nature to him to convey whatever he had to convey. So that was just, it was easy. And then just put all that makeup on top of it. And the man was something else. Yeah. Well, yeah, like the the modern one, it is very romanticized. And like women love the Phantom, even though he's kind of creepy and... The, the one with Lon Chaney, women did not love him. No, <laughs> Christine did not love him. She was terrified right. by him, but he haunted her. Like he, oh god! They, so there are a lot of lines. Uh, there are three or four of them that I wrote down uh-huh. because some of these lines, I think, pretty much encapsulate the universal monster. Or just the universal monster, like what made them so tragic, right. and and we're still coming back to uh, to Frankenstein, but uh, one of them was so that which is good within me, aroused by your purity, might plead for your love. So it was, I am a monster, but there's this tiny little bit of good right. inside of me, and that little bit of good, like you're bringing it out, and I'm like I want to be a better person. We'll mm-hmm. say. And so many of these characters, like, there was something good within There's them. There's still that a spark of goodness. Them. God, it... So good. Uh, then... Not so much in the vampire movies. Uh, not as much. <laughs> that gets brought out later. Um, when he finally brings Christine down and she sees his bed, uh-huh. and it's a coffin, he says, it keeps me reminded of... It keeps me reminded of that other dreamless sleep that cures all ills forever. So it's like a constant reminder of death because uh-huh. yeah, life sucks and it's going to keep sucking. And right. so here's this constant reminder of one day this will be over. Right. And so even though very tragic that he dies at the end, it's almost sort of like he's, he's finally himself. at rest. Yeah. And, and again, creepy and it's, dark it's, and it's, it's a, it's a relentless movie. Oh, it's, and, and at certain times, very, very fast paced, you know, and there's a lot going on in, in places. Yeah. And, uh, the, the last time I watched it, they had put Takata and Fugue and D minor over it constantly. So I had to turn the sound down. Yeah. Because it got so overwhelming, uh, because it's constantly played the same song. Yeah. And, but it made it better to me to watch the silent movie in silence. Uh, but, uh, I'll, you know, he is again one of those iconic characters that is was just is perfect the first time. I, I don't think you know you could you can sing songs about it, you can do all this stuff, but you can't do better than what he did as far as the look. 
Yeah. It well, just... and just the way that he acted. Like, he was obviously unstable. Uh-huh. But very driven and very, very calculating uh-huh. in, in what he did. And I think that's part of the, the scary. Oh, man. The... So not not only just at the very end when everyone's chasing him and he reaches inside and pulls back his hand and they all draw back. Yeah. But earlier, after he kills those two people in the boat and he gets back in front of his doorway or whatever, uh-huh. and he waves to them. Like he waves bye to the dead yeah. people that he just killed. And it's, it is just creepy. Yeah. And a lot of stuff that it's like, that is... Well, that is like serial killer level creepy. His his sanity went a long time ago, but the girl, you know, like the line said, you know, there's a little bit left. Yeah, and because she's there, you know, you can I can still be a good man if if yeah yeah you know. well and then uh, then one more line he said if I'm the phantom it's because man's hatred uh, has made me so, which again for all of these. Uh-huh. They're only the monster in relationship to the other people that right. are kind of causing them to be the monster. It was a reaction. Yeah. And, you know, uh, that's, that's, yeah. I mean, you can say that about, I don't think anybody's truly evil. You can become that. I think that there are some people who are truly evil. Yeah. But, but <laughs> I, don't, I mean, you can become that, but everybody has. Has the tendencies. Yeah. You know, now some people, you know, you get some, some stuff going. But, uh, you know, and it's, that's how you relate. Yeah. You can, you know, you can sit there, okay, if, if I got pushed that far, oh, maybe. Yeah. You know, if, if you lost everything, you know, if you lost, you lost everything, you're scarred, they took everything from you, you're this, you're that, yeah, you might just push back a little bit. Oh yeah, you know well, that, that is a <laughs> standard theme among horror movies. It right. Is not only what turned the monster into the monster, but what does the monster do that turns the mild mannered protagonist into the not so mild mannered protagonist? Right. Like what turns them into the killer? Not yeah. the killer, but the you, know. you can't you can't have a hero without an awesome villain. You have to have a villain. You have to have something that the hero has to react against. Yeah. But in these movies that we've talked about, the guy you think's the villain isn't the villain, and the guy you think's the hero really not the hero. Yeah. Like, what would all these people be were it not for the for the other again, quote unquote, protagonist coming in and just kind of stirring stuff up? Right. Phantom of the Opera. It's a silent movie. If you're not used to silent movies, yeah. it can be difficult to palate just because, well, it's a silent movie. And uh, you have to pay attention. But it, I think that Family of the Opera and Nosferatu definitely require viewing because they're just, yeah. they are so beautiful. And those themes and those horrors, I think, still pull through today. Well, everything was big. Yeah. And because it had to be, you had to tell a story without without words, without somebody telling you everything, it had to be perceived. Yeah. And so it, there, there's a lot going on. And, but when you get down to it, 
it's really cool to watch. Oh, yeah. And it's really fun to watch, but you have to pay attention. You have to put your phone down. Yeah. You have to shut up. <laughs> you and, can't just listen to the dialogue and no, hear the and tone. You, you have know. to see how are they saying. Yeah. What a, What the heck? And But once you get into it, and then you realize that's, why these people were the movie stars that they were. Well, that's one of the things that I love so much, even though Nosferatu wasn't part of uh, Universal Monster Week. That's one of the things I love so much about how Max Shrek plays him. Gosh. Is silent movies are very over-the-top and very yeah. exaggerated. And and Count Orlock is very still mm-hmm. and slow and calculating. And like that that dichotomy is just... But he's relentless. You know he's off. never going to stop. Yeah. And he's always going to be there. And that's what's scary about it. Is And I love, like I said, I love the shadow stuff. Yeah. The shadow stuff is just, it's awesome. And to think about it, you know, uh, now have you seen the remake with, uh, with um, uh, Klaus? Yeah, Klaus Kinski. I love that. Is it? Well, we really found the guy. The best, <laughs> the best thing. Okay, maybe not the best. One of the things I love so much about that version is um, the girl whose yeah. name I'm forgetting? Like she's the heroine at the end. All right. The the guys of the movie aren't saying here. Let's put you in danger so that we can try to kill uh, Nosferatu. Like she is. All right, you dudes can go and do whatever. I'm going after the vampire. Yeah. Like it's well, it's, it's real good. He's a vampire that you you're frightened of. <clears throat> it, a lot of these modern day vampires. No. <laughs> well, they, they represent <laughs> other fears, but... Yeah. All right, let, let's dive into Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein, because uh, we do have to stop recording at some point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein. Uh, oh, my God. They they are masterpieces. They are. They are awesome. Yeah. Um, I could do without a couple of things in Bride. Um, like what? The uh, uh, the other scientist. Oh no, I love well, him a little less. I think that he adds to He's it. He's evil, and he turns the monster that way. Uh, and it's it's almost like he's the corruption. Um, whereas the the doctor, the Doctor Frankenstein is the guy that gets all this started. Um. Pretorius, Dr. Pretorius. He's the corruption. He's the one, when he finds the monster in the tombs, he's like, you want something to drink? You want something, you want to smoke? You want this? You know. The the way that he played him, first off, was, it would not have been the same without Pretorius. Secondly, I think that, I think that his character Mm -hmm. does such a great job of being the physical embodiment of Dr. Frankenstein's pride and hubris yeah. and drive for power. So even though it's pretty clear in Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein, you actually have an external embodiment saying this is what is driving Dr. Frankenstein. And then you have Frankenstein himself being like, ah, I don't want to, but I do, but I don't, but I don't. Oh, he mm. wants to find out if he could do it. Yeah. And it's one of those things I always tell my kids just cause you can don't mean you should. Yeah. But, you know, the best line in all of it. Smoke good? No. <laughs> the very end. Where he goes, no, you go live. We belong dead. Yeah. 
dang. That right, you know, and, and you talk about, you know, we talked about earlier that Karloff didn't like the lines, but that's like mind blowing. Yeah. Well, like he, he basically had, um, basically had the setup to that earlier <clears throat> when he met Pretorius mm-hmm. and he said, dead, good, alive, bad, yeah. or whatever that line was. But like he was, I liked it when I was dead because I was at peace and now I am no longer at peace. I am in turmoil and and people think that I am a monster and they're the ones chasing me. So much to say about Frankenstein. All right. <laughs> in the original Frankenstein, so not Bright, but Frankenstein, uh-huh. there is never any music when Frankenstein is on screen. Right. The, the monster. Sorry, the creature. The monster. The monster. No music. Every single time that he was on scene, if there had been music, nothing. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that was just a... Because there wasn't a whole lot of music throughout. No. But it almost seemed like even if there was background stuff, that it got even quieter or just completely undone so that you were entirely focused just on um, Boris Karloff's his, his portrayal. Because you never see him until he's he told Fritz to go get him. Yeah. And then you hear the footsteps and then the door opens and there's this thing. And he walks in backwards. Yeah. The first time that you see Frank, that you see the, the monster. Right. The first time that you see him living, he's walking in backwards because he's, Fritz is having to push him, you know, to get him to go because he doesn't. And it, then, then the doctor as his God his creator gives him light and then shows him that he is powerful because he takes it away. Yeah. And that scene where he's just whimpering, you know, you're like, you know, you heartless jerk. He's what so the heck? Sad. Yeah. My daughter, he's sad. And you know, who the heck are you? And it, it, it hurts you because, and then later on, when, Fritz is poking him with the the fire and he he snaps his neck. Yeah. You know, he, he, well, he, he hangs him with the whip yeah. that Fritz had just been whipping him yeah, with. Yeah, you know, and he's he's because he, he's he gets tired of it. Yeah. You can push him, and that was the whole thing. You put he pushed him too far. Yeah. And then the whole thing with the uh the uh, the policeman in the in the dungeon or whatever where they had him chained up. Oh, and he was talking to him and you pushed him too far. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I want to go back just a second to Frankenstein walking in backwards. Uh-huh. See, I wasn't thinking it was Fritz kind of having to push him in. I felt that it was more of a everything about the fact that he is alive uh-huh. is off. Yeah. This is something that shouldn't have happened. Right. So, of course, he's going to walk into a room in the most unnatural way possible yeah. by walking in backwards. And, like, I, I wasn't even thinking, well, it's Fritz, have, Fritz having to push him in or Fritz having to kind of prod him in. Prod him. It was just, here's Frankenstein. Or here's the creature. And he's coming in backwards because he doesn't understand and things aren't right. And, like, we were kind of talking about this earlier in terms of how he's portrayed. I'm coming back to him yeah, getting I pushed because, oh, man, I got, a, I got a whole lot of stuff to say about that. Um... 
pretty much every single portrayal of Frank of Frankenstein's monster, uh-huh. except for Karloff, has him as stiff and lumbering mm-hmm. and zombie-like and almost more almost robotic. Uh-huh. That's not how Boris Karloff portrayed him. He no. did not play him as stiff and lumbering. He portrayed him as a baby, like unsteady on its on feet, feet. Yep. and like I don't. What? How do I? What are these? What Relearning am I learning? How to use everything? Yeah, because they weren't all his. Yeah, they're other people's limbs. They're other people's organs. They're other people's things. So, and then the brain. So it's 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 a it's, you know it's, <laughs> it's a community. Brain. Yeah, Abby Normal. It's a community <laughs> of of stuff trying to figure out how to work. And and it's not. You know, it's not Jean and Han, as my papa used to say. Um, and it's, it's, you know, but when he learned, yeah, then it was very menacing and he could, you know, and, and it was, you got to think those, those boots weighed a lot. Oh yeah. And for Carlock to be able to, to maneuver and, you know, that's, that's very physical. Um, but, you know, when we talk about, people reacting and that's how the, the, the creatures or monsters would react. If those two guys hadn't showed up at the front door of that old man's cabin, he would have still been there enjoying a smoke. Well, like, you know, even before that, soup. like they you know. set it up with, uh, he has an abnormal brain, right? which I love how young Frankenstein dresses that. Yeah. Hilarious. But he set up with the mind of a criminal, the mind uh-huh. of a killer. And that's how they play it is, well, he has this mind of a killer, so of course he's dangerous, but he was he was innocent and sweet and gentle and like a baby uh-huh. until Fritz started tormenting him with fire and a whip. And then it came out. And then he kills him. When, uh, when the monster is with the little girl and they're throwing that's, flowers yeah. into the water... And he's smiling and he's happy because she doesn't see him as a monster. She yeah. sees him as, will you be my friend? Will you play right. with me? Playmate. They're throwing these sweet, innocent things into the water and they're floating. And it's beautiful to see these little flowers floating on the water. And since he is a baby, he a know giant eight foot tall, right. super strong baby, he thinks, well, here's this other sweet, innocent thing. If I throw her in the water, She'll it'll float. be the same thing. And like he has a smile on his face when he does it. And when she doesn't, that look of sheer terror on his face of, oh, And then crap. he tries to push, you know, he has to get away. Yeah. And, like, he's trying to get her. Yeah. He wasn't trying to kill her. No, he was trying to get her back. Yeah. He wasn't trying to drown her. And then when he realizes she's dead, much like a little kid when they do something wrong, right. they don't know what to do. Right. He runs. Oh, God. I, I know that Bride of Frankenstein is for most people like the more masterful movie of the two no. but th- just the way that Frankenstein is presented the way that the monster is presented in Frankenstein is like just it so oh, see later on God, the monster so is always the monster yeah he's mindless he's this he's that in this Too one he's evil. not well He's not mindless. I was about to say he's too easily swayed by those around him, but there is even that setup. Like, even with um, the mind of the killer, yeah. but also being tortured and being, um, you know, pushed and prodded and stuff, you know, that brings up 
I think, a really interesting question of why are people the way that they are? Right. Like, would he have been the monster had it not been for people tormenting him? Right. So are we a product of our brains and our biology, basically our nature, mm-hmm. or is it our environment? Is it the way that people treat us? Is it the well, nurture? You, they had him chained. And it's, it's like, you know, it's, it's like a dog. Yeah, keep the dog chained up and treat it like crap. It's going to be mean. It's going to be fearful. Yeah, my yeah. uncle has one that you is. You put fearful. baby in a corner; she's going to act yeah. out. Yeah, uh, and because of his dog is fearful, his dog is dangerous because he's afraid of everybody. He lashes out. So, and if he was the way Doctor Frankenstein was intending was to teach him, I don't think he would have been dangerous. I I think. He would have been different, but I don't think because he would have learned what's what's right, and what's wrong. But instead, he maybe because Doctor Frankenstein was also pretty. Oh, pretty he was terrible. out there, but there was always this intention. It was underlying, and and later on in the other movies, there was they kept bringing it up that he was he was trying, and especially in Young Frankenstein. He was. He wanted to teach him. You know, he didn't want to be this mindless thing. But in that one, he started off as, "I'm your master." Yeah. Not, "I'm the guy who made you." <coughs> so, pardon me. So, you know, it went from there, and then in Bride, it was again a, a corruption. Yeah. Of his creation, and then his creation actually being smarter than him. Yeah. Well, I mean, he has that one line of, I know what it feels like to be God. Yeah. And I I take notes when I watch movies because oh, that's yeah. what I do. Oh, yeah. Uh, so at one point when Dr. Frankenstein is talking to, I want to say, this is in Frankenstein, not Bride of Frankenstein. Okay. When he's talking to his mentor and uh, that other doctor says, you know, but, but he's dangerous. Mm-hmm. And Frankenstein says... Have you never wanted to do anything that was dangerous? Where should we be if nobody tried to find out what lies beyond? Yep. You never wanted to look beyond the clouds and stars, all to know what causes the trees to bud and what changes the darkness to light? Like, that one line, or that one you know bit, kind of ties up everything in Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, of it's not just about power, because he was aware this is dangerous. Oh, yeah. It even starts with, have you never wanted to do anything dangerous? But, you know, it's 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 pushing. Yeah. Almost science. This is science. Yeah. This is, you know, what science does. We have to go see what makes it work. And if that's dangerous or not, we have to know. And it's it's human nature. You have to know. Yeah. And there's there's some there's those of us who want to know, and then there's those of us who go, no, I don't care. Yeah. And you know, it's it's almost a cautionary tale if you want to think about it. Of oh, don't let your scientists do too much. Yeah, but also, you know, I I understand what he's saying. You know, uh, from an artist's point of view, you some, you got to do some stuff sometimes that you're not used to, and 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 different things, different techniques. Go this, do that, do that. If that don't work, then go do something else. But it's it's almost you know you have to. Yeah, it's it's part of of people, and um, you know the story he made Adam, and then now the snake comes along and wants him to make Eve, 
So he makes Eve. Yeah. Eve doesn't like Adam. Eve likes the other guy. So sad. And so, you know, the, the, all of a sudden, okay, he was happy being dead. They bring him to life. Then everybody chases him. And, uh, they set him on fire. Him, yeah, set him on fire. They want comes him back. Guy says, hey, make you a girlfriend. Makes the girlfriend. Girlfriend rejects him for the other guy who's handsome. And, you know, and, but that guy's already got a girl. So, you know, it's the, the, the rejection, this, this, and this. And the scene where he sits down next to her and grabs her hand and is just petting her hand, trying to be nice. Yeah. Trying to be sweet. He's smiling. You know, and you feel so he was sorry happy for the he guy. He found love, yeah. sort of. That was made, tailor made for him, supposedly, yeah. and she doesn't like him. Uh, you know, uh, it's it's just it's it's so weird, um, but then again, you know, like I said, he he ends up being the most the wisest one of all of them, and he's taking Doctor Pretorius with him because he knows he's just nuts. Yeah, but you know, again, you can't ever kill the monster because he's he comes back. He comes back, golly, all the time. <laughs> well, they but, they all come back. You know, yeah, got that. The sound that uh, the sound that the monster makes when the windmill is on fire. Yes, that shriek. That was terrifying. Oh god, that was just it. Again, tragic. There is no other word to describe these movies than tragic. Well, it's that it's that line out of Jaws where he says, "You know, Quint's talking about the sharks taking the guys in that high pitched squeal." Yeah, that's what that is. That that's terror because he was so terrified of fire and it was right here and he couldn't find a way down. He couldn't get out. And you know, that movie for what? 34. Is that when it's made? I, I think so. I mean, dang talk. I mean, this is 2017. We're still talking about this movie made in 34 and it's just that good. Yeah. And it's, it's again, another iconic monster that everybody Knows, but you can. You I've can, got two little versions of yeah. them sitting right here on my coffee I've table. Got tons of them. You know, I love. Uh, I love to draw the monster. I really do. Now, in the the what the Victor Frankenstein movie that came out recently, I love they're 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 drawing out the monster on the floor, and he's huge. And then one at the last thing he goes, and I want him to have a flat head. He goes, <laughs> why? Because I like it. You know. Uh, Van Helsing, I was watching it the other day. The the brain in that one, I thought was was a really good concept. I've seen a lot of awesome concept arts on how the monster should look. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think the Karloff version, because it's very death-like, it's very corpse-like, and then there's the staples and there's the, the metal pieces yeah, and the bolt and the fact that the, the forehead is attached, you know, and, um, but the, uh, the Clancy Brown, he looked more human. He had scarring, but he looked more human. Um, I, I don't know if I like the monster looking human. I want him to look a little uh, out of place. Yeah. But well, if, if you're going movie version, then yeah, like it needs to look not right. Now, if you want to get into the artistic version, the Bernie Wrightson Frankenstein was death incarnate. 
I mean, this thing was, there was no nose. It was, it was a cavity. The eyes were sunk and it was just very, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, I don't, I don't think you could pull that off really in a movie. Uh, because people expect Frankenstein to look a certain way. Right. Because of the 34. <laughs> because uh, of Karloff. Yeah. You know, and the monsters and, you know, uh, the, the fact that all these things we've, we've put them into our society and it's part of what we, what we are now. Yeah. Um, and, uh, one of the best scenes I think was in monster squad is where they have the monster in the treehouse and they hand him the Halloween costume and he looks at it and he is scary. Yeah. And it, it, it kills him. Cause so he doesn't want to be scary, you know? And, and, you know, again, that's one of those things where you're like this, this guy is, is the most human out of all of them because he is reborn. Right. So everything that he's doing, he is learning like a child. Mm-hmm. And so in Bride of Frankenstein, he has a good moral compass showing him here is how you be a good person right. and you look past just what's on the outside and right. you see their soul and you share drink and food with each Have other some and you <laughs> like that you know the the old blind priest or blind yeah. monk, whatever he's supposed to be like that is showing him this is the moral good. If you want to get Freudian, that is the super ego yep. saying, here's how mm-hmm. you be a better human. Then you have Pretorius, again, going with Freud, which is the id. Right. This is why you need a mate. This is why you need to kill. This is why you do right. my bidding. But he did it with, with such glee. He was just so happy. Well, that's yeah. one of the things that makes Pretorius so terrifying. Uh-huh. And and again, the human is the monster in both of those Frankenstein movies. The the part that I didn't like was when I, he, I grew mine. And he had all these little people in jars. And I'm going, uh, okay. If you're going to make a monster, like if you're going to bring some living thing, just like science, you start small, yeah. then you expand big. I, I liked it. I thought it made sense. The um, th- the thing that I think is so great about Pretorius is he doesn't come across as evil. Like, he is. Yeah. But he's not, like, angry and grimacing oh, no, no. and, like, I will. Like, he's all smiley and, and he creepy. sees the monster and just, come in, have a drink. I'm going to have you do my bidding. Yeah. And, like, it, it is just very... It lulls you in with that false sense of joy and security, and well, see God, that's so good. it's not it's, to me. It's never the guys who are screaming. It's always the guy in the background. It's always the guy who is. He's just happy to see you. Those are the ones that those are the ones that are scary, that are yeah. creepy, that do it because they enjoy it, not because it's their job or because it's their title. They enjoy inflicting pain, and they really have a good time doing it. Yeah. And when he came to call on Dr. Frankenstein, and the lady opens the door and screams, just from his appearance, you know, that that's that should tell you something. But, uh, you know, he uh, he's a different different kind of guy. But I, uh, I love uh, Elsa Lanchester. Oh, yeah. As the bride, I think. Well, and the fact that she is also Mary Shelley at the very yeah, beginning. Yeah. See, I had to explain that my daughter, we were watching it, and uh, she's like, what's the deal? I said, well, 
she's playing Mary Shelley, who wrote what we know as Frankenstein. I said, and then that's Lord Byron, and that's her husband. And they were famous poets. And the story is that when how she came about, it was a storm. They couldn't go out, so they had a contest. Who could write the best story? She scared the heck out of them, this sweet little woman. You know, and that... And she was young. She was only like, I think, 19 yeah. when she wrote Frankenstein. You know, and she was very, when she was the bride, she first, I liked how she looked stark. Yeah. It was, it was striking. You know, the hair, you know, the, the lightning bolt white stuff. And it, she was, but her movements was very bird like. Yeah. 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 Her eyes and everything. And it was, it was, what what would you expect something like that to act? And it was like everything moved, and she would have to have to react to everything. And then the hiss, you know, that was just that was above and beyond. I, you know, yeah, she knew it was over. Oh, man. But yes, those two are awesome movies, and you know, it's 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 just I hate to sound like an old man. But they don't make them like that no more. They <laughs> don't. But I, I mentioned it earlier. Nightmares in Red, White, and Blue. Watch that documentary uh-huh. because it it really drives home a point that uh, that I make whenever I talk about horror movies of what makes a good horror. It's not the monster. It's not the makeup. It's not the gore. It's not mm-hmm. the jump scares. It is, does it play off of an underlying fear? Right. Is there something that is driving it that will stay with you long after the movie? Yeah. When the Universal Monster movies were made, they were playing off of those fears of um, the foreigner and the right. unknown right. people coming home, people coming home from war and being disfigured monsters uh-huh. and not fitting in with their environment. Right. It played off of the tragedy. It mm-hmm. played off of you know wanting to wanting to be with someone, but it being ripped away from you and you being viewed as the monster. Well, see, that was the old world, you know, the Europe. Yeah. And then America is the new one and we're the bright and shining. Right. And they're not. And, you know, and it's, it's again, um, that, and we'll see a lot of the, a lot of the, uh, the immigrants that were coming in. Yeah. People in droves who were coming here trying to make a better life and they were bringing their stories. They were bringing their culture. They were bringing their stuff. And, you know, it's what makes us what we are. Yeah. But it's it's ingrained. Yeah. You know, these old world stories, I love them. Well, and you know? every single one of these, it is the unknown wanting a better life and to find right. belonging. And so that's why they're all so tragic. I think that's why it's so tragic for us watching it now. Mm-hmm. But they were so scary back then yeah. was because it was, oh, no, here's this unknown bringing in the unknown. We watch it now and it's we feel bad for the monsters we look at right. we look at the people around them if we want to get somewhat political you know we look at the downtrodden we look right. at the um what is it on the statue of liberty uh, give me your tired you're hungry your your poor masses. yeah like those are the ones that we look at and just these poor people they just want a better life they want to belong they mm-hmm. want to find love then you look at the surrounding people 
who are saying, if you want to be in this world, you must do this. You must behave this way. Conform. You cannot be this type of monster. You right. must be. You must do what I say. You must follow my rules. Well, and so, also to a lot of uh, extent, as far as the vampire stuff and the werewolf stuff, those were old world stories that were coming to life for people who lived with that. As yeah. far as a superstition or a story, you know, that was something that their grandmother told them. Yeah. You know, and here this is on the screen. Well, and if you, you let know, your base desires take over, right. this is why you're a terrible person. And and so I think that that's why at the time they were so terrifying, but now they're so tragic. Mm-hmm. We view it through a very different lens. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, they don't make them like they used to, but they shouldn't. We have very different horrors now. We have very oh, different yeah. fears. Yeah. You know, like oh, yeah. now... Now when you watch some of these movies, not not just these, but now when you watch uh, like modern horror movies, if it is just gore, it's like that's not scary. It's just over the top. Right. What's scary about it is when you start looking at like how people are shaped by the horror movies that they see or when you start seeing some of the horror movies where it's... <sighs> it, it just has to play off of a different feeling. And yeah, I think that too many... I think that too many horror movies don't understand that. And so they just try to show, all right, blood is scary. So we're going to show a lot of blood. Mm. People dying is scary. We're going to show a lot of people dying. It's like, it's bad. It's evil. But that's not what makes horror movies scary. And well, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, and everybody once once one gets, does a good job, it gets popular. Then everybody and their brother jumps on top of it and it gets done to death. Yeah. And instead of let's, let's make something. I I just don't think that, that, uh, you know, 50 years from now, there's going to be two guys talking about something that came out here recently. I mean, it's a possibility. I I think it's not going to come from big studios. So like last week I did, um, IFC, uh-huh. Indie horror, to me, is oh, yeah. where modern horror it needs to come from. Because that... I think that indie horror goes a lot further and really pushes the story right. rather than major studios where it's just... Well, so you said the, this. The, the clear word is story. Yeah. And what was that one? Oh. Oh, heck, where the guy had like, multiple personalities when they came in. Oh, recently. split. Yeah. Still yeah. My seen daughter split. said it was terrifying. I mean, scared her to death yeah. because he was different people. He was the same guy, different personalities. Maybe when he was a little boy, she said he was on his knees. He made himself smaller. He made himself different. And see, that's a psychological thing. Yeah. And I think that plays more in today's society than, uh, you know, and... This this had psychological aspects, but the the makeup was new. The things were new, and but now it's it's you. It's not the mad scientist on the hill. It's guy next door. Yeah. Well, and like that's that's a theme that has been around for a while. But I think that that is, I think that that's one of the things that makes modern horror movies really really good is when the monster quote monster. Uh-huh is just a dude. It's just a person because then it plays off of those fears of 
you don't know who the monster is. The monster could be anyone. And it plays off of a lot of the unknown still Mm -hmm. being terrifying. But it's not unknown like the universe of monsters because they're different. It's unknown because you can't tell the difference. Right. Like, I think that that is part of what makes the thing, for me, an almost perfect movie. It's not the creature that's so terrifying. It's the paranoia and not knowing who is the creature at any given moment. You know, and that's what's cool is, is again, it's, it's whoever. Yeah. It's not just the guy that looks like it. It's whatever the heck, you know, and, and the thing it was, you know who it was. Yeah. And that's, that really, really was scary. You know, I have a, I have a, a fear of sharks. So that's why Jaws scares me <laughs> every single still time. still just a good movie. Well, because the creator never worked, so they couldn't show the creator. You know, Spielberg said he wanted the shark was supposed to be in a lot more scenes, but it never worked. But that, you know, and he said at the premiere, people were watching it, and he he couldn't he couldn't stay in the theater because it was bombing. He said, I know it's bombing. He said, I step outside and I'm just sitting there going, yeah, I wonder what I'm going to be able to do next because I'm not going to be a movie director anymore. <laughs> he said, some kid runs out and throws up. And then, like, one of the producers like, they're loving it. Come in here. And it was, again, you couldn't see the shark. Yeah. And see, that's what, that the ocean is full of stuff you can't see. Yeah. Once you step foot in the ocean, me. you're the visiting team. That's all there is to it. And, yeah, stuff like that scares me. Um, of course, now that they've learned a lot more, it's a different story. But, you know. No, it's, it's still terrifying. We still know more <laughs> about space than we do about the ocean. Yeah. But, I mean, it's just animals, things like that. Yeah. Um, but uh, the more of the the psychotic people who have detached those that's you know like you said the guy who just lives next door and decides he's uh, not going to do it anymore you know that's what we're dealing with and it's not you know in a movie it's on the news yeah and you know and you're having to worry about stuff that you never had to worry about and that's that's scary well and there are a lot of horror themes that are starting to resurface. Yeah. So, like, go back and watch horror movies, and we got to start wrapping stuff up. Yeah. Go back and watch horror movies from the mid '80s, uh-huh. and there, there are a lot of themes of the establishment is the monster. Yeah. 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 And it's like, yeah, okay, fine. It was terrifying back then because blah blah. You look at stuff now. I mean, you know, even. I don't want to get into stuff that's going to be too tragic, but even looking at current events, right. you know, the, the shooting out in Vegas is terrible. The reaction of, oh, well, meh, people can still have these weapons of mass destruction because it's their right. And, you know, regardless of where right, people right. fall on Second Amendment rights, like, it's still... And the fact there's a lot of stuff there God. that you're just... That the common person, again, we have access to a lot of stuff. Yeah. That the common person can go, something just don't sound right about none of this. Yeah. That's the scary part, is that there's a big chunk that 
you know, don't look over here. Ooh, look at that. Yeah. And, okay. But to be honest with you, I mean, Dr. Strangelove, I watched it a couple weeks ago. It's pretty relevant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's relevant. And it is very hard to do a good horror movie without just recycling an old one. Yeah. But, man, going back and rewatching the old ones in modern light. Yeah. Like, watch Frankenstein. Yeah. And don't put yourself in place of the monster. And, and it's difficult. Right. Like, you watch it and you don't sympathize with the doctor. Okay. You don't sympathize with the wife. You sympathize with the monster and with being misunderstood and with trying your hardest. But dang it, people just don't understand. And yeah, you get things wrong, but you don't know any better. Like, oh god i I love yeah, it it's 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 one of those that again it will it will last forever, yeah, because it's just that good, yeah, and it has all those underlying things in it, and uh you know they are the things that go bump in the night, we really like to watch them mm-hmm, and it's it's cool it's again, it's a comfort, yeah, it's one of those things where you go, hey, okay. And you can dis you, you don't have to think about anything else. It is much easier it. to watch a monster. Uh-huh. Like, oh, there's the monster. Now the TV's off. The monster's inside the TV versus, you know, watching, let's say, the news where uh-huh. the monster doesn't stay in the TV. No. The monster. No. Oh, God, the monster's still out there. All right. So we've talked these things. <laughs> I would say to the point where I'm sick of talking about them, but I'm never going to be sick of talking about right, right. monsters. I love them. Um, we, we've talked about the, the themes of the horrors. We've talked about like what made them so good. Um, I, I've been trying to pick a top movie for the week. Uh-huh. And with Universal Monsters, it's difficult for me. Creature is probably my favorite yeah. monster, right. just for so many reasons. But movie-wise, I'm, I'm going to cheat. And say Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein. Yeah. Because they are just a complete story. Yes. So. It's I'm, good. I'm going to cheat and say Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein are my top movie. I'd agree with that. I, I like the I like the creature just because he, it is my favorite. And, uh, but Bride of, uh, Frankenstein and Bride are, are one of those where. You just they the the look and the feel yeah. and, and everything is just right. Yeah, they they have the atmosphere, they have the acting, they have the story, they have the creature, they have the horror. They they if you are a fan of horror, you have to see Frankenstein, oh, Bride of yeah. Frankenstein. Oh yeah, like other Universal monsters. I mean, you should see them just because well, you should. But God, even with being as old as they are. Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein still hold up as oh, solid movies. They're great movies. Yeah. They have everything that a good movie should have. And then, you know, then there's lots of other stuff that are underlying that you can sit there and think about for a while. <laughs> or yeah. like us, for a very long yeah, while. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So where, and for anyone who's even listening, uh, where can people find more about your art? Or where can they follow you on social media? Or well, uh, uh, I am on... As of right now, I'm on Facebook at uh, uh, Black Sheep Studios TN on Facebook. Um, but I will have a website up, I would say, by the new year. Um, 
with uh, some things on it that I'm looking to get started. I have to uh, get some permission from certain people, uh, <laughs> certain places, but uh, that I'm going to get started on, and then I will have a uh, a web comic coming up too that uh, is called Secret Agent Pig, and I will. I'm excited about that one. I will uh, skirt the legal boundaries of uh, ripping the James Bond genre apart and making it funny. Well, I mean, it's like uh, Jr. doing Fried Pickle Noir, right? You know, it's yeah. You know, I'll I'll uh, I'll do it until uh, somebody tells me not to. Sure, but uh, <laughs> there's so much in there to play with, and uh, so much absurd <laughs> things that uh, that I just find funny myself. So maybe, hopefully, somebody else will find funny. <laughs> I, I find it funny, <laughs> and uh, then I'll I'll continue to do my. Uh, my cartoons, uh, I lean a lot towards monsters. Um, I, I love them. They are fun to draw. Um, and then also, uh, sea monsters and, and things like that. They just, they fascinate me. Uh, but I'll, I'll do it in a cartoon style. Sure. <laughs> love it. Uh, and you can find me on, uh, Facebook at, Facebook.com slash The Gargoyle. On Twitter, at The Gargoyle, I think. I can't remember my Twitter handle right now. Um, but you can find links to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all the stuff that I do at gargoylereviews.blogspot.com. got the, uh, the movie reviews that I've been doing for this month. Uh, again, this is week six of uh, 60 Days of Halloween. Every single day since September 1, I've either been watching a TV show or a movie. And cool. it's at times it feels a little tedious because it's like oh I have to watch something. Ninety five percent of the time yeah. it's like hey I get to watch something. Yeah, that's, that's fun. Um, and like I said earlier, I'm going to be at the uh, Knoxville Horror Film Fest that's next weekend. So excited! The weekend after that, I'm going to be at the Frightening Ass Film Fest in Chattanooga. So I do two horror film fests and. That's, that's how I close out my Halloween. My kids are in Walker Valley's band, so I'm going to be a band competition. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll think of you while I'm geeking out over horror movies. Days on end. <laughs> I love it. Uh, well, Chris, thank you so much for, uh, for joining Man, me. I appreciate I, it. I had fun. I had a lot of fun talking awesome. about movies. So uh, anytime you feel like talking more horror movies, sure, sure. let me know. Come on back. Yeah, thank you. I'd love to. Yeah, it was fun. Well, uh, that's been it for this episode of the Gargoyle Podcast. 